Hey guys, this is Mrs. Matt, the queen of merch at YoungBucksMerch.com. You're listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Super Kick It is Friday, September 21st, 2018, and you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 37 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On this week's show, Rick and I are talking all the huge wrestling news from around this week. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. But of course, I'm not alone. RBV! Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me! It's that honor the B to the V. Rick Vickery here. Back again at Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Before we jump into uh, you know, all the news and notes that we got on today's run, I got a little interesting story for you, Jargo. Ooh, I like story I, time. I, 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 had, no, I, I had an interesting uh, uh, interesting lunch uh, where I, I thought I was going to get into it with, with the cast of Lucha Underground. Oh, wait, what? Uh, you know, this, you know, when we were at All In and all that, you kind of took off a day early, so I stuck around and hung out with Rivera. And I don't think I've told you the story. I only like I shared this with Big Ray over on One Wrestling. Um, so it's it's late on Sunday. There's not much open, so we go to this 24-hour Mexican restaurant. And I'm talking authentic. Uh, and you know how the food is up there. It it had you all over the place. You just wanted, as you were calling the rest of the uh, rest of America food. You just wanted a, a cheeseburger. I just wanted a damn cheeseburger, man. How hard is it to put a Wendy's? Like in Iowa, you have a Wendy's on every other goddamn street corner in Chicago. I had to go looking for the damn thing. Well, you know, up there, they, they've got so many different ethnic backgrounds, and everyone puts their twist on everything up there. Everything is so diverse, and everything <laughs> is smothered in marinara. <laughs> Well, you know, and then, you know, outside of like that, that big hoe of Chicago, the, the rest of the Midwest where, you know, we're kind of just we're kind of bland. Everything's pretty plain. You know, when we go to a Mexican place. Here's what I've learned. You know, ours is a, you always hear this difference between authentic Mexican and Tex-Mex. True. Well, well, I think we've got the watered down Tex-Mex. Like I, we are so much closer to even what we consider a Mexican restaurant is so much closer to Taco Bell than what the real thing is. I was completely blown away by that. We get in there. Uh, first of all, you know, they, they barely speak the language. I'm not, I don't know how to speak their language. So we have that huge barrier. I am so lost all over this menu. I, I kind of felt like how my grandpa feels in, in this modern age where he just goes out. The whole world is so scary to him. I start panicking. I was just I'm finally like I'm, I'm sweating bullets. I just I just want to run out of the room. and I'm just bagging Adam Rivera. Please just order some kind of taco. Just give me some kind of fucking taco, man. I, I finally find something, you know, that. Chicken, just whatever they, whatever their term for chicken is here. I know it's polo and whatever, but they got like beef tacos. You think that? Well, they didn't have that. You have beef intestine, beef tongue, and like beef brain. 
What the hell, man? Yeah. I, so you, you get them follow-up words there. I'm not touching any of that. Yeah. So I right? finally, I finally find just the polos. So just, just chicken tacos. And then, you know, as we're used to the hard shell tacos, that's a no, no, that's not a real thing in Mexican cuisine. Uh, so then she starts asking me different shell types. I'm like, I don't bring me what the hell ever. I, I, I'm panicking. Rivera's laughing his ass off before he finally steps in to help me off with this thing. This is, it, it seems like an eternity going around. And this poor lady, she's just looking at me like I'm the worst human being. But they were the best tacos I've ever had. It was absolutely amazing. Everything that went with it to like the pickled vegetables that they bring out and their different sauces. It was amazing. So fast forward to, to today. So I, I go out to lunch at a local Ohio, Southern Ohio Mexican restaurant. And a waiter overhears me having a conversation with the person I was with, kind of bad mouthing, you know, the local Mexican flair. Oh, and he hears me calling it fake. Oh, my God. I set off their whole restaurant. We come from so-and-so. These are generation recipes. I'm like, no, they're not, dude. I just saw the Cisco truck dropping off all the bags of beans and rice. <laughs> I know you're full of shit. The same truck just went across the street to the Taco Bell. I asked him, I asked him if he was even, even Hispanic. He was lying to me. Was he Asian? Did he just have a really good tan? Was he Indian? I, it's, they, they pull that shit on you in these restaurants. Uh, so, yeah, so it is there. Thankfully, I already had my food. Thankfully. Have you seen so, the movie Waiting? So, uh, yes. <laughs> and let's, let's not forget that I, I do marketing for hospitality, so I've seen every aspect of what goes on inside uh, of, you know, bar restaurant business. For you kids out there who are listening to the show that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, go look up this fine movie from the late 90s, early 2000s called Waiting, starring Ryan Reynolds, who would grow up to be Deadpool. And uh, I guarantee you, you'll never want to eat in a restaurant ever, ever again. Yeah, so that was my excitement today, you know, ticking off uh, an entire uh Tex-Mex, Southern Ohio establishment. I'm not even going to put them over as a Mexican restaurant. I've learned my lesson. If you want the good stuff, you got to go authentic. See, I'm one of those people where uh, our, our favorite, Carly's mom and her are both very, very big Mexican fans. So every twice in a while, they like to go out to this. I think it, it's more so a Midwest chain thing called Carlos O'Kelly's, which is fairly decent Mexican food. And I every time I go, I feel like I'm the Young Bucks and Kenny. Because it's like, oh, this is my favorite American restaurant. I want the chicken strips, please. There, there you are. You're, you're that weirdo. Yep. But hey, I'm that guy. I, I'm what? just not a fan of Mexican food. Not my cup of tea. Sorry, Rivera. Speaking of not my cup of tea, Huckleberry, let's uh, let's jump into this week's NFL news. Ah, yes, because this one directly pertains to the world of professional wrestling. Both Samoa Joe and the Green Bay Packers got screwed. That's what happened this past Sunday with the Packers tying with the Minnesota Vikings. And of course, we saw AJ Styles tap out and still be awarded the victory. Rick, did you get to watch this Packers and Vikings game? This thing was outrageous. I, I, I actually did. And I am... Um... I want to see how you're going to twist this. How are you trying to put the sympathy here on the Packers? I mean, why is it the other way around? Why isn't it the other way around? Because I'm a Packers fan. I don't give a shit about oh, the Vikings no. fans yeah. and their feelings I here. I don't care about your biased observation here. Each of those teams, each of those teams had a perfect, plenty of opportunities 
to take home that game. Neither one could get it done. But there's a lot deeper issues in the NFL right now than this entire tie thing with teams middle finish and get points on the board. Well, the biggest issue in the NFL, as I see it right now, is Clay Matthews evidently is no longer allowed to hit anybody. Every time Clay Matthews hits a quarterback, we're going to call this bullshit penalty that they've called on in the last two weeks in, in a row. And then people like yourself, I'm sure, are going to tell me, well, Jargo, don't complain because that's the Aaron Rodgers rule. I don't care if it's the Aaron Rodgers rule. It's a fucking stupid rule let's get rid of it how in the hell are these guys supposed to hit quarterbacks well actually aaron Rodgers actually came out and said that it, it is getting a little overboard it's, it's uh, absurd you know, just, you know the touch rule pretty much now with the quarterbacks the league is coming out defending this because there are some new some new rules put into place this season you know where they've kind of reworded this thing of what defines you know that illegal hit on the quarterback or you know hitting with you know uh, dangerous intent because we saw that last week in the Browns game. Uh, one of the Saints players was about to be ejected from the game along with a 15 yard penalty if they determined that he, you know, was looking to actually cause harm by lowering his head. Would have been a, a huge game changer down there. Uh, fortunately, the ref stepped in and said, "You know what? This is this is a really tough call, and that's a that's a real game changer in a call that the league's really going to have to examine that ruling there." But with all these other rules, you know, the league's coming out saying it's still early in the season. You know, these officials are still trying to gauge it themselves. So I think as the season kind of progresses here, you're going to start seeing that phase back or they're going to hold back a little bit uh, from being so trigger happy on those yellows. Well, here's what we know at this point. Week one, Clay Matthews hit Mitchell Trubisky and it was an incomplete pass on fourth down that gave the Bears a first down and allowed them to stay in the game. Week two... Freaking Kirk Cousins goes back and throws a pick that would have sealed things for the Packers. And again, they call Matthews on this ridiculous penalty, which keeps Minnesota in the game and the thing ends up in a tie. It's almost like, you know, oh, this is the Green Bay Packers rule. So now we're going to try to screw the Packers every time they hit the other team's quarterback. That's what it feels like. There's a conspiracy afoot. I'm like Matt Taven. I'm already bald. Things are just completely out of control, man. But but yeah, as far as the entire league goes, these penalties are just completely out of control. And it makes the game unwatchable because after every play, the first thing I do is my eyes go up to the little left-hand corner of the screen. Oh my God, is there a penalty on that play? Oh, is there a penalty on that play? Oh, how is there not a penalty on that play? But there was on this play. It, it's just well, absurd. That, that's, that is one of the biggest issues with the league right now. It seems every big play... You get excited, and you're immediately that is squashed because there is a flag on the play. I've got to say, probably, probably that's seventy-five to eighty-five percent range. You get a big play like that, some game changer, some big moment where you know it takes a little bit to unfold. People are getting excited. Boom, it's over with you. And it's not only that it's changing that game, but you're you're even you're squashing, you know, just the interest in the game. Yeah, because I don't want to watch it because the you pacing of it back. is awful. The pacing, it, it is terrible. The pacing, the penalties. And it also, I know, you know, these size heads you upset because it directly affected you this week. And there's a there's a deeper issue here with the scoring and these ties. Whenever when they moved that damn extra point, it has thrown the kicker the kickers out of complete completely out of whack. Well, the kickers are incredibly finicky people, and of course, let's let's go ahead and move into your Thursday night game, which of course will have happened by the time you hear this, but it's still a couple hours until it starts when Rick and I are sitting here recording this. The New York Football Jets 
are going to be taking on the Cleveland Browns, who have not won a football game since Christmas Eve 2016. Rick, I think this might be the one. This might be the one. The Jets are coming in with a rookie quarterback and Sam Darnold, who I'm a big fan of. But I think this might be the one. If the Browns are going to get one here early in the season, they've been close the last two weeks. I think they're going to get the football Jets. I was going to say, as you pointed out there, you know, when everyone's listening to this thing, the, the game is going to be in the can. We're going to know if you were right, if you were wrong. But I want to speak to, you know, just... Man, my heart goes out, as you know. I typically, I, I reside in Northern Ohio. That's where I spend the majority of my time. Uh, such a tremendous fan base. They are very passionate. They love their Browns, and it, you know to stick through with them through all of this, through these years, but especially these last two years. You know, to have your, your most hated rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers on the ropes like that, and just to have it unravel on you. And then to lead that entire game last week up until about seven minutes into the fourth quarter, and then just to see your team once again, just outside of the kicking game, because the kicker left eight points on the board in that game. Uh, could have been a huge game changer. But just going back to their play call, you're up. You are up by two points with like four to go. Your job is to run that clock out, protect your lead, and they're running reverses. I mean, it's just, it's idiotic. I mean, the coaching is the blame there. And you could tell the panic on, on their faces when when the Saints start making that comeback. It's that they don't know how to close. They don't know how to handle themselves in situations in tight games in the fourth quarter. They don't know how to close out. They don't know how to win. They've got talent. They have to figure that out. Figure it out quick. Now, we're saying, you know, this is the perfect time for them. You, you've got the Jets. It's Thursday night football. You can do this on the grand stage, but there is also a lot of pressure of prime time. And it might just might just fold them. That's going to be interesting to see what plays out. I, I know this. Uh, one of my clients up here, Harbor House Bar and Grill, we've got a great promotion going. We have this huge, huge cooler. It holds about four cases of Yingling Light Tall Boys. And it's got a couple bottles of fireball stuffed in there. And for the first win of the Brown season, the first time they get that regular season win, Thanks to Yingling, Harbor House is going to serve all those beers and all that fireball for free following that game until it's gone. And then one lucky customer there is going to be walking out with that cooler. The last two weeks, people were, I mean, we had people filing in late in the game thinking, hey, there's going to be free beer. We are ready to go here. And uh, those hopes were, were squashed. Are you hearing uh, much of an uprising of the talk of Baker Mayfield playing anytime in the immediate future. There isn't a whole lot of talk on it. I think you'll really see that pressure that they're okay with things right now. But as I said, they need to learn how to close. They need to learn how to actually to win, hold on to things there. I think if you see, you know, if they've lost this Thursday night game, by the time this airs, they end up sitting there at Oh, and four at that point, you really, why not? Why not put him in there? Let him learn, let him grow with the system. I know there's always that two sides of the coin, but Hugh Jackson has done both. You know, he had Carson Palmer where he sat that entire year. Uh, but that's, you know, that team was pretty good around him. You know, they went eight and eight. They just missed the playoffs under Kitna. Then you insert Carson next year. On the other side, when he was in Baltimore, they had to throw Flacco in right away. There was no other option. He had to learn on, on the go. And, you know, hey, Flacco's Super Bowl winner. 
Well, I think you're really going to see it after tonight if the Jets go out there and beat the pants off of the Browns because, of the, of course, the Jets are starting a rookie quarterback, the youngest starter in the history of the NFL, and Sam Darnold. I don't know how much you've gotten to, a chance to see this kid play. I'm a big fan of Sam Darnold. Yeah, uh, I've got. A, I watched a, quite a bit of that, that first game, uh, obviously because it was up against Monday Night Raw. Right. Uh, and not not only did he go out there and spank the Lions that evening, they spanked the WWE that evening. Uh, that was the big game was uh, the Jets and the Lions. That was that early 7 o'clock game on that Monday. WWE just phoned it in, and, and NFL really slacked them in the ratings that evening. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's so promising. And that's of that mindset of, hey, you know what? It's not – the game has evolved so much right now. You, you've got so much more of, of your off-season workouts, things like that. You can prepare someone young like that to go early – in their career, you don't necessarily need the weight. So, in the Jets' mindset, was you know what? What better time than now? Let's get him out there. Let's let him learn on the go. Let's figure out what we got. And you know, if you listen to any experts, you know the analysts that are really you know that know the game of professional football, uh, they think there's a tremendous upside for this young kid up in New York. Watch a lot of USC football because I like watching West Coast games just because of the start times and stuff. They just seem to work better with my schedule. So I watch a lot of USC football. So I got to see plenty of Sam Darnold when he was in college. And that kid is absolutely something special. Something that was not special, though, this week, Rick, was Monday Night Raw. Uh, Coming off of Hell in a Cell, you always look for a little bit of a bump. Coming out of a pay-per-view, SmackDown got the bump coming out of the pay-per-view, but Monday Night Raw certainly did not. A 1.79 down from a 1.87 last week. 2.84 million viewers, hour one. 2.43 million viewers in hour three. Now, of course, Chicago was on the Monday Night game, so I do account part of this to the Chicago Bears as much as I hate them. And yes, the Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. But Chicago's a pretty loyal fan base when the Bears are on TV. The city of Chicago is watching the Bears. They're not watching Monday Night Raw. Well, and you you look at how... Who did the Bears play against? Refresh my memory. Um, Hell, I don't even remember. Okay, I thought you were going to have it there. Because I, I thought it was another decent-sized market that they were pulling for him. Um, who pulling from, but Chicago beat on? Oh, Seattle. Yes, I mean, you got the, you got a huge market there. You're, you're pulling the whole, you know, Pacific, you know, north northwest there. Right. Uh, they've got a, they've got a huge pool up there. I mean, you're taking out some huge, huge markets here from your Monday Night Raw. You know, the, really here's the thing. Here's me. the thing, and here's why that argument doesn't work for me. Okay? Monday Night Raw airs on a delay on the West Coast. It doesn't air live. Okay? So the, the football game was probably over with by the time this actually got going full-fledged on the West Coast. Well, you know, even with that, though, I, which which is kind of interesting that you would see this dip. I know there was a lot of people, you know, we we had talked about this. Big Ray and I talked about it right after the show when we did review on One Wrestling. You joined us the following morning over in the locker room, and we were talking about how unsatisfied those in attendance, and then as we were seeing, you know, just those from around the Internet, how unsatisfied they were with Kind of this very confusing finish. Uh, everyone really turned off by it. But even so, to me, you know, at least there was a little bit of intrigue. You know, maybe why should I tune in to see, you know, see where they're going to turn this thing? What direction are they heading in? You, you, now you've got Brock, 
you know, reinserting himself here. You would think in some ways that would spark some interest to tune in. Uh, and obviously uh, that's what they were thinking, WWE themselves, but obviously that backfired. But I think the more important statistic here, rather than the overall viewers or the overall rating, is you had a drop-off of 410,000 viewers, and the third hour started with Ronda Rousey and ended with Roman Reigns. Well, I think you know a lot of that is how you play it up. You've got some of those big hitters. You've already got them out of the way. And I'm sorry, when I saw the announcement of the main event for this show, Baron Corbin placing himself in a position to challenge for the Universal Championship immediately. Yeah, and I get it makes a little sense. You just come off. Braun has has essentially been robbed of a Money in the Bank opportunity. Corbin himself was robbed of his Money in the Bank opportunity. It, it makes a bit of sense, but I don't know if you're going to hype this thing throughout an entire show as your selling point. You mean Baron Corbin just doesn't do it for you? I uh, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's doing it for anyone. And there's some numbers to back up that logic. Yes, yes, there are. We we will talk some more about uh, the constipated constable when we jump into some WWE talk. But for now, Rick, let's uh, let's take a look at some other news because something is happening, and I don't like it, and I don't know what the hell's going on here. Uh, somebody tweeted at Cody Rhodes and wanted to know if Cody Rhodes was a babyface or if Cody Rhodes was a heel. And Cody responded on Twitter by saying, he's just a wrestler. Those don't exist anymore. Crowds context are different every single time. Rick, he just won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in an arena in which 95% of them treated him as the babyface and 5% of them treated Nick Aldis as, yay, Nick Aldis, and they were douchebag heel fans. That was kind of their gimmick. That's what they were doing all night. There were very few fans in in that building that wouldn't play along. And that was one of the things that, you know, so many of us, you and I talked about that on our review show. And then, you know, I've heard others that were attendants, you know, Strangler Steve King put that over. All except a very, you know, a very small handful of individuals played along how you were supposed to in matches. You know, we went appropriately with who was presenting themselves as, as the babies, as the villains. And even in those matches, where it was kind of split, where they obviously made it split. In a, in a position like Marty Scroll and Okada, everyone still played to the spots appropriately. But you are right. We did have that small little group uh, that, that just was trying to, you know, exist, you know, see how they are on other, at other platforms. But they were where, still playing along. They were just heel fans. Well, it, they, they weren't even so much the heel. They wanted to be that smart asshole group that you see so often at like WWE shows that think that they can actually, you know, hijack the program and make it more about them. That's what those individuals were playing. That's what they were hoping for. That's the role they were playing. It just wasn't getting over because, you know, like the other 97% of us, we were invested. We were pun intended all in to, you know, to, to put out a great presentation for these guys. Here's and I know you have a hard take on this, man. I know you 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 draw the line in the sand when it comes to the need for heroes and villains in professional wrestling. To an extent, um, and, and there was a great conversation going on about this inside of the Hameen Media discussion group, 
And Money MacGyver had put up a, a very, very valid opinion. Now, here I, I will actually clarify and put my definition into a bit more of a context. I think that you have to have heels and you have to have baby faces when you are considered a company that has weak to weak creative. I think the the indie darling, it doesn't matter if it's a baby face, doesn't matter if it's a heel. That works for a lot of indie shows. But the second you have week to week creative on a regular platform, that changes completely. I agree with you. You know, it would just be like if you're having a movie series and, and you don't know, you know, what side are you supposed to be? Who's the good guys and bad guys in this you know, whatever the, uh, what's the last big one that came out? You know, I'm not a big comic guy, but the Marvel ones, like the, uh, the, oh, war the Avengers and yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, even they confuse some things sometimes when they have, you know, like Batman versus Superman. It, 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 I know they try to twist it there, but hell, what, you know, that's, that's a tough one. Like how the hell could you have these two, uh, turning on each other? Well, they, but, they really dislike each other, and, it, and it's a beautiful babyface versus babyface story because just because we're both good guys doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to get along. They disagree on methods. They disagree on the end result. You know, Batman will do whatever it takes to get the job done, and okay, Superman's so the freaking schoolboy. You know, that's more of it was like Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. Sort of deal. I, I do want to speak in. I did pick up that conversation over in a Hamid discussion group, and I kind of threw out there that you know this whole issue with with heroes and villains. It's more of a societal thing here now. We don't have that traditional where this defines that you sh- that you're a hero, that you're what society should look to as a role model. Now we've got all you know. There's so many people that are invested in these anti heroes. It's just it's kind of why you see such a great divide in. In some ways, I mean, not to get overly like political or something like that. It's uh, it's a lot of reasons why we have a lot of these psychopaths running around that we just don't have really a, a solid moral foundation, uh, you know, in our society. But to get real back to, to get back to to Cody, he also threw out another statement this week that I think ties into this that is very very interesting. When asked on a tweet if audiences are what's ruining professional wrestling today. Uh, and to kind of paraphrase what he said there, he said, it's not the audience. They could have 500 beach balls out there going on. It is our job as performers to make sure that they are invested. They're interested in what we're doing inside the ring. It's up to us to hold their attention. Spoken as a promoter. I was just going to say that was my reply in the, in the group in the group over there. These two statements to me are exactly what he should have said, what should have been expected, because he's not just speaking as a promoter. He is a guy that's trying to promote everything that you hate about WWE. We welcome you. We welcome all of you. This is all of our show. It's our job as performers. We're not going to take your signs. We're not going to tell you that, that you should cheer for Roman Reigns and, and Charlotte Flair. We're going we're gonna to embrace what you want. We're here for you. And however I come out and act, if you want to cheer me, you want to boo me, have at it. Okay, but here's here's the problem, okay? Because this thing is spreading now like a sickness. This week on Ring of Honor television, we had Jay Lethal laying out the Lethal Open Challenge, and this is how Will Ospreay is challenging Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor Championship at Death Before Dishonor coming up on September 28th, live on Honor Club, 
Visit ROHWrestling.com for more details. I didn't even have that scripted. I just got that shit memorized. But Jay Lethal had this to say. I've got to say my favorite match that I have ever had here in Ring of Honor has been my 30-minute Iron Man match with Jonathan Gresham. Wow, what a match that was. And that's a big statement. It is a match that has reminded me what this company was built on. It is a match that has reminded me why I fell in love with Ring of Honor when I sat years ago in those very seats. It is a match that reminded me you don't need storylines, you don't need angles, you just need two great frickin' wrestlers in one ring to prove who the best is. So Jay Lethal says... We don't need characters and we don't need storylines. All we need are two great freaking professional wrestlers to go out there and prove which one is the best. Jay, I love you, man, but you have literally been in a storyline for the better part of a year where you're going through and you have to avenge all of these losses and fight your way back to the Ring of Honor Championship and you just had this epic series of matches with Jonathan Gresham that are completely storyline based then at All In you come out and you're doing the Black Machismo gimmick Rick, what is going on? We have to stop this sickness before it invades professional wrestling I agree with you 100% and I have to, hey, we, we love Jay Lethal here. Absolutely. I love we just, Jay. We, but... we, just spoke, we just spoke with him last week. And even before that, we were so high on you know, he's one of the greatest in the world. And one of the reasons he is so great, it isn't just because he can go in the ring. It's because he brings, he brings everything to the table. He can do it all. That, that makes us care. That makes us love. That makes us want to be a part of professional wrestling. He embodies that. I wonder if this right here is just a little bit of a because they're they're coming up now. They've got quite a few shows, especially in the build to that MSG show where they kind of just throw cards together between Ring of Honor and New Japan. Okay, but here's what I think is going to happen, right? So we're doing this lethal open challenge, right? And we're going to have all these wrestlers from all over the world are going to be challenging Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, starting with Will Ospreay, who, by the way, is a junior heavyweight. All right. In the meantime, we have the leader of the kingdom, Matt Taven, walking around claiming to be the real Ring of Honor world champion. And Jay Lethal is taking challengers from people like Will Ospreay, who's wrestled one match in Ring of Honor this year. This is going to become Jay Lethal is ducking Matt Taven, at least from Matt Taven's angle. And Jay Lethal is going to say, no, I'm going out and I'm having these epic matches with the best wrestlers in the world to prove that I am the best professional wrestler in the world until these two come to this epic clash at final battle. It's a great fucking story. Well, that's that's how you work them, man. That's how you work the masses here. You're kind of giving the people that that really just believe that wrestling is about the dot, dot, dive. Go out there, just show me how athletic you are. Let me let me do our little chants. This is awesome. Uh, oh, oh, you know, holy shit. To appease those individuals. But really, you're actually giving them traditional values of professional wrestling. You're giving them great storytelling. Uh, it's, it makes my brain hurt when I hear people like Jay Lethal say that we don't need characters and we don't need storylines anymore. 
Here's something it's that's a work, dude. He's working. It's a work. I he know, but I know, are. but you know, there's going to be some 15 year old kid who's going to see that and not realize that's a work. And he's just going to think, yeah, that's true. And then he grows up to be the next Gabe Sapolsky and he launches a whole freaking company like this. No, that's, that's, that's why it'll never happen because going the other route will never work. It'll never work in this industry. Nope. Nope. And, and and that's why you know that's one of the things you know, I, and I wish I'm, I'm I'm not knocking the younger fans. There's a reason you know when when we when you and I joined the Hameen Media Group when they asked us to join and become you know personalities on that platform, it was that we were mature enough as fans to realize what we're doing. It's one of the things you know that that Ben hit out there, which it's just not young fans talking about these these are experienced professionals that understand, you know, they might not have worked inside the ring or, you know, truly behind the scenes in the business. They might have just had a little bit of rub, but they understand the basic values of professionalism and, and just how the entertainment industry, how all that works, how events and entertainment work. Reason we're allowed on there. I'm not knocking those younger fans. Hey, I wish I could go back to my 20s. And I think of some of the things that I would say in chat rooms or things I would argue and just be like, Man, I was clueless. I was completely lost to what was going on, and I thought I knew it all. That you, know, you could just grab the industry by the balls and you knew everything. Uh, that's not the case, and that's one of the reasons. As I'm talking to younger fans, and it, it's like you know, listen to people like Stevie, listen to people like Ben, like Strangler. There's more to it, and there's so much going on that you don't even see. It's you know, we always talk about here, man. It's like what you got going over here with your right hand, but what's really is happening is over here to the left, and you're completely missing it. Well, Rick, this is a story that's almost a year old now, and I want to go back to it because I think it's worth a second look because something occurred to me here the other day. This audio is uh, from the guy that we can't see anymore. You may remember him. His name is John Cena. He used to be the face of the company. Um, and, and this is when he was feuding with Roman Reigns, and, and John Cena had this to say. And you stand there and blame me. Fine, I blame you. I'm still here because you can't do your job. When it comes to this yard, you probably haven't learned it yet. There's only one rule, step up or step aside. And over the years, there's been a few to step up, but nobody to ever keep up. And then I finally hear about this one guy, the guy, the Roman Reigns, the one that can keep up. And now I look at you and I listen to you. You should be ashamed I'm a part-timer because I can do this part-time better than you could ever do it full-time. John Cena was still here because Roman Reigns couldn't do his job. And that job, of course, is put asses in seats. Now I'm looking at these shows that we have coming up, Rick, and this is starting to ring a little bit too true as now in order to sell 60,000 seats, you notice it was 80,000 and then it was 70,000 and now it's 60,000 seats down in Australia to sell 60,000 seats. We need the undertaker and we need Kane and we need Shawn Michaels and we need Triple H and we need John Cena and we need Roman Reigns can't do his job. Yeah, it was interesting when we talked about that 
earlier this week as we were trying to lay out, and it's 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 very understandable why they need these legends in say Saudi Arabia. Well, because yeah, but that's a different deal, though, because the Saudis are paying WWE for the specific talent that they want. Well, well, and then they're just not up to speed with today's crop of stars. They they don't they don't know this roster. You know, they're not getting they're not getting this product on a weekly basis. You know, when I had asked you, I said, you know what? Let's dive into this thing. Let's figure out what's what's the situation down under. How much of this product are they getting? Because you know it is on the other side of the world. They are gonna they are gonna be a little bit behind. Uh, but you dove right in some easy searches there. We have found that there is a great boom for professional wrestling in Australia. They are getting WWE program on a weekly basis. Uh, lucky for them, it's the the Hulu cut, so they don't have to sit through everything we have to here in the West. So hey, by that logic, they're getting the best of of what this heaping pile of trash is but they're still getting the best of it new japan has a a, a great presence there we were trying to figure this out you know ultimately I, I do believe it's you know whoever is writing those checks prefers to see those individuals but again you know it, it begs the question why isn't this current crop putting those assets in the seats why aren't they the ones to deliver especially when this australian fan base seems familiar with them I know you were going to try to to reach out to Craven. Did you get anything from him? Well, I talked to Craven. I also talked to our friend Craig Nichols, who lives down under. And I was just like, what the hell is going on here? And here's what I've come to find out, Rick. You know, the WWE goes to the UK every year, right? When they go to the UK, they work with an individual promoter who books the arena and brings it in. And it's very much like it works here in the States. Well, guess what? Down in Australia, it's exactly the same way. This is no different than them doing a random show in Japan. This is no different than them doing a random show in South Africa or in the United Kingdom or in South America. They just, for some reason feel this need to try to flex their big cock in Australia and sell 80,000 seats. I mean, 70,000 seats. I mean, 60,000 seats. And it's not working from what I'm hearing. The, The ticket prices for this thing, number one, are outrageous. Number two, the airlines, the hotels, everybody has ran their prices way up. One of the gentlemen that I talked to was actually looking at going to this show, a typical flight from where he is into the the city where the event is being held is typically about $300 in Australia for this weekend. It's $800 for $800. He can typically fly to Japan. So it sounds like a lot of this thing is, you know, these people are overshooting the value, the want, the drive, the need for WWE. They're exploiting uh, their, you know, what they can control in their pricing. And it is actually backfiring here in driving people away, especially if you know something along these lines. You think that on all accounts, you would want all of these industries to succeed so that you get this repeat business. Uh, and then as it grows, as you get a little history behind it, as it becomes more of a must-see, a must-attend event down there, then you can slowly rise those prices. But you just don't come out and start you know, gouging the eyes out of everyone right out of the gate. Well, and at, while I was talking with Craig, he brought up, you know, when we had talked about NXT Japan. 
do you think that maybe that's kind of what they're testing here? Maybe they want to get a foothold into that Australia market. Maybe rather than doing NXT Japan, we do like NXT Aussie which is only $800 to fly to Japan and they can still run Japan, but not be in Japan. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that could be like, uh, definitely they're trying to test the waters here to just have a satellite hub somewhere in that region. Well, because uh, again, what I found out, man, this is what's so goddamn interesting when you start getting into international stuff, right? Australia is very, very much like the United States. You know what they don't do in Japan at all streaming services they don't do streaming services in japan like new japan pro wrestling the the streaming service is there but they watch on tv ashai or bushi road right there's no point in doing an nxt japan because nobody in japan's gonna watch it because nobody does streaming services well at that point wouldn't you just go there to open up a new television contract wouldn't you go to the same avenue that new japan is going and then your streaming, your streaming would just be available if they would choose to, you know, make that option available to the rest of the world. But why do that when you already have the infrastructure in place in Australia that is a streaming country that uses all of this technology? And they also happen to have currently 30 independent promotions running in Australia. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I like your idea there. Go to Australia where you can make that quick jump over you, and you can also jump over to India. Yeah, it's right there as right, well. Right there. That So Australia becomes your hub. Uh, you've already got that. Well, you've already established a, a loose relationship with NOAA that could develop into more where, you know, they are, you know, financially backing them a little bit. And it's not so much of, hey, we're actually stepping into New Japan's backyard for an all out dog fight. It's dude, we're not we're not in your area. We're we're over here. We just occasionally come over there for shows. You know, we might go over there every other month or so. We're also in India too. You know, don't don't you're not so big on yourself here. Instead of just opening up, you know, a straight, hey, we're coming for fisticuffs. See, and this is another one of those things that's really irritating me is that they're using this Australia show as a jump off for another Saudi Arabia show. Like they're treating the Austra like it's almost like there's three different universes going on inside of the WWE right now. You have the typical main roster, you have NXT, and then you have what's happening at these super shows. And that's the narrative that everybody is intrigued by that has the Undertaker and Mick Foley and HBK, but it's like a whole nother world. And they're like, oh no, no, no. This isn't a cash grab. We're not going to Saudi Arabia for a cash grab. I mean, it, it's just the way the schedule looked out. See, like last month we were in Australia. This month we're in Saudi Arabia. It, it, there's nothing to see over here. Go watch Evolution. Go watch Evolution. It'll make you feel better about yourself and you'll see these wonderful things that we're doing for the women. Yeah, they can't go to Saudi Arabia, but, but, but look, we gave them their own show instead. I, I like this. I like this. You know, I just... As before we actually started recording here, I was actually watching Dragon Ball. So we've got like we've got the yellow verse, the just the regular WD universe, and then we have the superverse. Yes. That are all existing on these different planes here. Yes. Matt Hardy has mastered the WWE. The WWE now functions on three different levels of space and time. 
Well, maybe that's what he's retiring to. He's retiring from in-ring so that he can take on a position of like a, a an elite Kai or some shit like that. So he's just ascending up the ranks to run all of these different verses that we have within within WWE. And I, I think we got something there, man. Absolutely ridiculous. It's just insane. And this all started because Roman Reigns can't do his job. That's at the core of the matter. If Roman Reigns could sell 60,000 seats in Australia, they wouldn't be bringing in The Undertaker. They wouldn't be bringing in Kane. And we're going to talk about Kane here in just a minute. Because what, what if that's like something? Like you travel all the different verses in WWE and you collect the seven titles. And then when you bring them all together, you summon Ricky the Dragon, who, who, yes! grants, you a, who grants you a wish. So there's a story here. We could do something with this. Yes, here we go. We could do something with this. Uh, well, here's one that's intriguing because this might hey, be... We, we just even tied in anime with the Japanese wrestling talk. We are hitting all over the name. This might be the first man to jump the multiverses because currently he exists in the Super Showdown multiverse, but he's going to jump to the main WWE universe, and that man, of course, is the master of the 619, Ray Mysterio. It is now being reported Ray Ray has re-signed two years. He has the option to leave after 18 months. So basically 18 months worth of Rey Mysterio. If you treat him right, you've got him for two years. Rick, do you like this deal? Yeah, I think that on the surface, I think it's great for Ray. It's been something that's been kind of teased there for a little while. Both sides were just trying to really hammer out those fine details. I'm really, I'm interested in those finer details. You know, what's, what's the number on this thing? What's the dates? Yeah. You know, uh, how much is he going to have to put in here? Uh, does he have outside of when he is required to be there? Does he, cause I know that was one of the things he was re- asking for when you don't need me. I, I want to be free to go work on other projects. Uh, is he allowed to do that? What are the limitations on those projects? You know, is that no television in, in the West? Uh, is that a list of promotions you will not work for? You know, I, what are all these details? I think that's very interesting. But, you know, I, I, hey, for the fans, I, I think it's something exciting. We've had an opportunity, you know, to check him out a couple times. We saw him live at All In. I, I saw him at Warrior Wrestling. It, the guy is absolutely, he is in phenomenal shape, argu- arguably the best of his life right now. Uh, he, he is over the top. He is unreal. Everywhere he goes, he's got a, a tremendous following. People are just flocking. You should see the lines for the signings that people just want to get close to Ray Mysterio. There is a definite need. He has got a spot in this market, even as, you know, as we sit here and everyone is jumping on. They need to bring all these old stars back. Why are we doing this Triple H Undertaker thing? I actually think the exact opposite with Ray. It's going to be, uh, uh, you know, some breeze, some fresh, you know, much needed life into this product and we're actually going to get some great WWE stage dream matches. The thing that I think has me the most intrigued is we, you and I both know how much everybody loves Rey Mysterio and the biggest report that I have read regarding Ray Ray's comeback would involve him immediately turning heel. How very WWE of them. I, can you even turn Rey Mysterio heel? It would not work. I think you'd have an easier time getting people to hate Daniel Bryan at this point than you are Ray Mysterio. Another aspect, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, it's what is Ray going to do when he comes back? 
hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested to learn, is this open up, if this all goes well, will this open up some more opportunity for Conan to work with WWE or open up the door for some of the talents he represents to get them through the door at WWE? That could be a bigger picture. This is opening some up. You know, Conan's essentially working as an agent for some of these guys. And I know it was kind of, you know, is he, isn't he? Ray has recently come out and just said, hey, I'm just going to let you know. He actually told JR this at the stage show at StarCast. Conan's an old friend of mine, man. He's done so much for this business. He doesn't really get the respect for one of those truly great minds that are out there. And he said, hey, if, if I can be out there, Conan's the guy that gave me my break. He's gotten me here. And at this stage in the game, if I can share some of my fortune with him, hell yeah, I'm going to. You know, the brothers stick together. So it could, what's what this mean for Conan? That's a very, very intriguing question. Um, of course, I don't know what it could potentially mean for Conan, knowing that Conan is working with AAA. Um, obviously, Conan keeps the two businesses very, very separate. But as far as working with a promotion, working in creative, uh, bringing in talent, obviously, he's still a manager and the lifeblood between the American and Mexican cultures. But as far as anything for Conan, other than a big fat check for a signing fee, I don't know as though I see anything else in his immediate future. But, you know, that could fall through in a week. Well, actually, you know, I'm saying there, even if it's just that angle was an agent, you know, it gets rid of that. Oh, that stigma. They don't they might not want to work with him. This goes well. This could open the door for a. Uh, you know, so many talents to go get that, get that payday in WWE. And as you said, you know, you never know what's up. Everything's up in the air with Conan. You know, he, he's in love with one promotion down there one week. And the next week, I mean, they, they're ready to tear each other's floats out. Yeah. You, you never know what's going to happen there. And, and, I, and I will say this, if WWE did want to bring in, you know, like a Phoenix or a Pentagon and you needed a voice for them to get them over. I mean, who better to speak, you know, for, for that style for those type of talents in Conan. Well, and I think that's one of the intriguing parts here is Rey Mysterio's contract being two years or 18 months, whatever, for um, an option. It has been now been rumored. Court Bauer has come out and said that he has Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix locked up through 2019. I, I did see that. They said um, somehow he managed to do it. He threw everything at him that he that he could. And, and, and I, when, even when I said if those guys come in, I wasn't necessarily saying it has to be them. It could be any of those Lucha. Oh, yeah. Know, but Lucha this doors. has been rumored now for six months, it seems. Right. So I think that's a big get for MLW. Are you watching any MLW? I, I have been. Um, I, I usually I'll get a little behind and binge watch on it, but I'm loving the product. I'm really loving this Heart Foundation stuff they got going down there. Uh, I think to me that's one of the hottest acts in professional wrestling right now. Really enjoying that. All around a good product. And, and I go in, you know, knowing what it is. You know, a lot of it is the style that really isn't, you know, geared towards me and my taste of wrestling. But I, I know how to adjust to what I'm watching. You know, there's only one thing in MLW that really, really bothers me, Rick. And I'm going to show it to you. Many, many years ago, I was in this band called Citizen Seven. And I had this gimmick, right? See this gimmick? Mm -hmm. Jimmy Havoc stole my gimmick. Fucking Son of a bitch. Bastard. Fucking foreigners. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to take that out of Money MacGyver's ass one of these days. Fucking fucking foreigners. Fuck the UK. 
Fuck Canada and fuck Kentucky. Wow, what Kentucky ever do to you? Oh, fuck Kentucky. They know what they fuck. They're, I know they're listening, and they know what the fuck they did. And I'm only across the river, motherfuckers. So don't think I won't come down there and fucking start slapping the inbred motherfuckers. I look forward to uh, that cut ending up on uh, 8-Track Black's next uh, humorous cuts video. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> let's talk about uh, the build to the Tokyo Dome as uh, Rick, it, it, Kenny Omega is is doing something over there and i'm not exactly sure what he's doing and i'm not even sure if it's really necessarily him doing it because we've talked about this before on on the show kenny had that crowd when kenny and coda got back together everybody was so happy that the golden lovers had been reunited and then kenny won the title and everybody was like yay kenny okay now get our fucking belt off of whitey yeah i was gonna say you know what a great transition there Talking about fuckers calling people motherfuckers. <laughs> this is a great transition here. Dude, this is great. I love this, what, what you're about to share with everybody. Yeah, so th- this is uh, how this thing goes down. Uh, this is from an interview that New Japan World did with the IWGP champion, Kenny Omega. Uh, the interviewer asked, During the match, Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks, the fans chanted, New Japan, New Japan, New Japan. In response to that call, Tanahashi and Kushida have said that they felt that it was wrong for people to get the impression that this match is representing New Japan Pro Wrestling. What is your response? And Kenny Omega is not pulling any punches here towards the ace. Here are Kenny Omega's words. Here's the thing. Tanahashi has this idea that wrestling has to be a certain way. There are borders that you shouldn't cross. Wrestling should be wrestling. There's a classic way. But the thing is, when I watch a Tanahashi match, I feel nothing. When I show a Tanahashi match to my friends, to my father, to my fans, they are fucking bored. But when I show them some of my matches, they feel something in their hearts, and it makes them think about something. When a Tanahashi match ends, you've already fucking forgotten it. I wanted matches that stay with me forever, more than 24 hours, more than one a week. Why the fuck do you think they call me the best bout machine? It's not because I'm the greatest athlete in wrestling, because I can create emotion, and I can create a memory, and because Tanahashi could never fucking do that. Really, Tanahashi belongs in the WWE. He can be the next Roman Reigns, so don't think for a second that new japan that's new japan style what tanahashi should fucking thank me because if you actually think a tanahashi main event could ever go to america you never could you can go to america once because it's an interesting name because it's a novelty for new japan to come to america do you think if you put tanahashi and billy gunn as a main event do you think you could ever come back of course not so with this worldwide movement with this boost in numbers for new japan world somebody should tell this asshole to think about business Close fucking quote. Hold on, man. I, I got I got a great take on this one for you, man. This reminds me of something so great. It actually gets me really excited. Can you go back though? What did he say about when he shows the Tanahashi matches to his his father, his friends, his fans? What did he say? They're fucking bored. That's exactly how I feel when I show my father, my friends, 
and even you know fans of our show any take from a track brown but to speak to the actual situation here nwo vince versus hogan none of those were my favorite angles in professional wrestling the greatest angle of all time was the heart foundation splitting the world versus america you have the makings here we talk all the time is new japan um kind of shifting towards this western style is it too much is it going to backfire? Is it going to turn off those traditionalists that love New Japan for what it is? Man, I could see this being laying the the foundation for something along those lines. You know, Kenny, we want, it was a great little story for him. That's great. But like you said, now get our belt. Get it off of him. It doesn't belong on him. Now we're now they're sending the ultimate representative for the Japanese culture. Their ace, their John Cena is going after to bring back this championship. And now you got Kenny pretty much mocking the guy that stands for the values of your company. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Not just mocking him. I mean, like straight, like he took some notes from Chris Jericho about how to talk to the Japanese media. Well, that's, you know, this is a big middle finger, just not at the ace. This is a big middle finger at everyone there, their entire promotion, everyone that supports it and has built it up to where it is right now. This is Kenny Kind saying, hey, man, I represent your company now. I bring a different style. My my style speaks to the world. Your style is dying. You know, you know who this sounds like when I look through this? It sounds like freaking Tama Tonga. And, th- and that's another interesting play. Does, it, does this all kind of, does that new attitude here bring the Bullet Club back together or? Like this sounds like old school Bullet Club, right? Like this yes. is what the Bullet Club was founded on. They were the dirty ass gaijin and they didn't give a fuck what the Japanese or the company or anybody else had to say about it. They were taking over and they were changing the wrestling world. Well, they've already changed the wrestling world and now Harold May comes out and says you can't swear anymore in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, Jesus Christ, I don't think Kenny Omega got the memo. Well, I just say, you know, I'd really love to see here is that an upcoming show and it intentionally seated this way where... What is the average attendance for a New Japan show? Just give me a, a guesstimate. I would say probably that three to 5,000 mark. I would, I would love for Bullet Club get to a show where they know they've already got those tickets sold. And, and Bullet Club pull themselves off the show and then start, see, what, what the hell? You guys need us. You only could sell 5,000 seats. We sell, 10, 000, we sell out 10,000 seat arenas oh, on the other side man. of the world. I, I would love to see this, you know, turn it in, make this great program within New Japan where it is, you know, that Japan traditional style, New Japan versus the world. It's a fascinating story. I think there's another fascinating story going on inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this is something that you and I have talked about several times, that this is kind of starting to feel like a, a bit of a one-sided relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor, per Jason Powell over at ProWrestling.net. This is one of the guys that, you know, I read Jason Powell's stuff and way more often than not, he is right on the money. Um, he says that this, this partnership is on a little bit of shaky ground at this point and, and so much so to, th- I kind of get the impression 
if this Madison Square Garden thing had not have happened, you may be seeing an end to the relationship between New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor. This gets really, really interesting when you consider some of these contracts coming up at the uh, end of December, beginning of January. If I'm the Young Bucks and I can only sign with Ring of Honor or New Japan, not the two of them together, that kind of changes the equation as well. Well, you know, on both sides there, yeah, because you're talking, you're not going to get anywhere near the money that you've had in the previous deal when they both aren't helping kind of, you know, foot that bill. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, what other partnerships could arise here? I would, I, I went to find the link. Uh, I couldn't find it. Is, did he give some exact details to why this thing might be heading south or souring? Well, it's this was actually an audio form on the uh, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. He's a, a regular guest, shows up about every three weeks on there. Okay. And uh, he was talking about how it's a very one-sided relationship at this point. What is New Japan really getting out of the relationship with Ring of Honor at this point? When Ring of Honor is getting the Bullet Club trademark that they get to use and the Young Bucks and Cody, and that's basically Ring of Honor has almost become a Bullet Club promotion for the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, and then we have the Briscoes and Dalton Castle and Jay Lethal, and but Bullet Club is more often than not on top. Even the Young Bucks headlining shows over the ROH champion there for a little while. If that is taken away from Ring of Honor... Where does that leave ROH? Well, and, and I could see, you know, that would be uh, to be a, a maybe, I, I don't want to say a critical hit to Ring of Honor, but it would definitely set them back quite a bit. But on the flip, you know, you want to, and I'm, I don't think it's as one sided as people think here. You know, New Japan's getting great exposure in Ring of Honor markets. I mean, they, they regularly have talent on their programming. Uh, the commentators are very knowledgeable about their background. They put over where they're from. It's not they're they're not trying to to sell to the audience that you know these are just so and so on our program. They let you know about New Japan. They let you know those things there. Uh, they, they've got some great you know joint shows working where they're they're coming in. I you know without this Ring of Honor involvement, New Japan's not going to be in Madison Square Garden. I don't know. I think I think that's really what it comes. And we talked about this months ago that it was going to come down to the time where if New Japan wants to expand to the West, in doing so, eventually they have to start stepping on Ring of Honor's toes. I, one way or another, this relationship is going to go through some trying times over the course of the next couple of years. You know, this this you know it's just, it's just like a marriage. I, I've never been, but plenty of friends and how I have parents that are each married to you know, outside of their, uh, my mom and dad, I have step parents and all that. And you know, this marriage is hard. You go through sometimes where you're kind of looking at the other side and you take things that they're doing for granted. Yeah. It, it, but you really have to do is sit back. And even if, even if you know, Hey, you know, we can get through this together. It's not worth the breakup in the, in the grander scheme of things. Cause I will tell you this. I mean, cause we've talked regularly, these promotions need each other to survive in such a WWE dominated industry. They're going to need to stick together in some way. They, they start showing cracks and the beast is going to come eat you up. 
Uh, they, they can't hold something together. WWE can start picking these guys off one by one. There's not one of them who is strong enough alone to stand anywhere near this. Now, that's not your goal. That's you just want to stay completely off the radar, out of the way. Just, you know, cater to your very small niche of a couple thousand fans here and there. That's fine. Go for it. But if you have bigger aspirations, you're going to need each other right now. Okay, well, let's just play devil's advocate to everything here, okay? And I can't bring myself to even say that Kenny Omega would ever sign with the WWE. Like, that thought is just so nauseating to me that I've put it out of my mind. So, let's say this instead. Let's say that my wildest dream comes true, and the entire Bullet Club, or the... Golden Elite minus Kota Ibushi because we all know Ibushi's not going to sign anywhere. Let's say that they all go to the NWA and they team with Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana and they rebuild the NWA from the ground up as a promotion by the boys for the boys. Okay. Let's say that happens. Where does that leave ROH as a promotion? And where does that leave New Japan Pro Wrestling as a promotion? I think both of these promotions think that they're kind of bigger than they really are right now because it's not necessarily the promotion that's so big. It's this talent. And if you lose all of this talent in one fail swoop like this, because as they have said, they're sticking together regardless what the hell happens with both ROH and New Japan? I think New Japan's in a little bit better position, but as far as their Western expansion, not so much. Well, and I think, you know, again, the sticking together thing, everyone just assumes that where one goes, they all go. That might not necessarily be the case. Sticking together might just be, you know, we're going to always be, you know, business partners. We're always going to be watching each other's backs. You know, to me, you know, if let's say, you know, even like a Kenny, Cody and the Bucks would go to WWE. To me, if I'm like a hangman and a Marty, I want to stay away because it's my time to rise. It's my time to take over those ranks on any. That doesn't mean those guys are leaving me. They're not leaving this partnership, this friendship. I think some people are reading in and out a little much, but you're right. If you, if you could sway this entire group to go somewhere, I mean, you're, you're talking about like a mass exodus from one to another. And then if you've got these promotions kind of bickering, this is this goes way back to what ultimately killed the territories. Yep. Is that outside of when you know when Vince started buying up all this talent, he was running it like um, a legit top level five star business. He's throwing the money at everyone, bringing everyone in, and these other promotions, you know, they decide, hey, we need to do something here in the end. You know, even those that were already leaving the NWA, we got to do something here uh, to try to come together to to counter this. They couldn't come to any decisions or anything like that. They couldn't get along, and ultimately. It was their own demise. I don't know. It's going to be a fascinating year, Huckleberry. That is for sure. Let's talk a little bit about impact as uh, the, the, there's this crazy story going around. I think that, you know, this plays in perfectly what we were just talking about. Absolutely. There's, there's this crazy story going around about impact officials going up to Stanford for a meeting with uh, WWE officials and everybody is going absolutely crazy thinking oh this is it nope this is not it this has absolutely nothing to do with impact wrestling going out of business this has nothing to do with impact wrestling selling the tape library rick i'm pretty sure you and i are both on the same page this has to do with two individuals and two individuals only and their names are aj styles and samoa joe 
Yeah, to me, this is just some kind of agreement. I think it starts with those two. Uh, that's where they really want to go. Because don't think we have some kind of it's in the works right now for some network kind of exclusive something that they, they ultimately need some footage, some pass. You know, they need something from Impact Wrestling. They they need to get their hands on something in that library. A few interesting things. Yeah, everyone. You know, I was listening to the Wednesday locker room this morning, and immediately, you know, you know, Billy Ray Valentine is this is it. It's a sale. Yeah. Let's let's hold, let's hit the brakes there for a moment. There's, there's a lot of different things this could be here. And to me, outside of just the meeting, some of the things that went down in this thing are even more interesting. We'll get to those, but I'm with you. This has to do with trying to just get their hands on some limited footage. And then, more importantly, opening the door that anytime they need to get in there and get their hands on some footage, that those that those lines of communication are open and they actually have something, you know, a guideline in place, a blueprint of how they're going to go about this in the future. And there is a precedent for this. They've been down this road a couple of times before. Um, of course, most recently with Matt and Jeff Hardy. Um, I think the other thing that's going on from an impact perspective here is it sounds like they want to put AJ Styles into the Impact Hall of Fame. Which we've seen that deal before. Which And AJ Styles absolutely should be in their Hall of Fame. In fact, their Hall of Fame should be literally the house that AJ Styles built. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think you, you really want to bring some, uh, some, some exposure to that and credibility to that group you've got in their Hall of Fame. I think you should put in, a, if you could do it in one year that you put in, uh, you put in Samojo and AJ Styles, or we work out a back-to-back deal where AJ goes in, then Joe goes in. And I think the other thing that does too is it builds a lot of goodwill back towards fans who were incredibly turned off by the way AJ Styles left that company. Yeah, and look, and, you know, you brought up the Hardy thing. It did build a little goodwill when when Impact or your, um, you know, they step off a little bit and say, you know what. We're not going to get into this pettiness legal stuff. We're just going to let the we're going to let the talents keep their names. They did it here. We're 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 beyond that. And, and you know, in turn, that's more inviting for them to draw in bigger names. Because hey, now since then, we've seen a lot of people more willing to go there to sign that that impact deal because they know they're not going to be handcuffed. They're not going to get in something like that. What they build on that level, they can take to the next level. Of, you know, when they decide to depart with the company. Very interesting to me in these meetings, though. And I, I wonder if this is kind of WWE taking a jab at Impact. Uh, obviously, Vince McMahon not present any anywhere. They didn't see him anywhere. So that says, you know, uh, Vince is really only interested in those $5 billion deals. Uh, he doesn't really care about any footage or a company called Impact Wrestling. He might not even know that they're still in existence. Uh, not in Triple H, wasn't even there. It was Triple H's people. <laughs> I'll have my people call your people and they'll do lunch. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're you're the head of a, another wrestling company. Okay, uh, yeah. My secretary will validate your parking. Uh, everything will be fine. Enjoy catering. Uh, I've got something else to do. I got to pick up the kids for a tennis lesson, uh, so I can't swing by the office that day. I, I've got to I got to make sure I got to hit the tanning bed and pick up a couple gallons of baby oil for my big match against Undertaker. But yeah, whatever you guys can come up with, uh, you guys got it. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. It would be nice to see AJ go into the Impact Hall of Fame, and the same with Joe. But AJ, especially, AJ was the cornerstone of Impact Wrestling for me. And the reason I watched TNA Impact back in the day was to see AJ Styles. Well, you know, and another name there, too. 
I know we would probably, when it comes to AJ, we wouldn't make any arguments against uh, Christopher Daniels being the one to induct him. I mean, even Christopher Daniels going in himself. But I think if you really want to make that major boom in that deal with WWE, you have Kurt Angle to come do it. He's already in their Hall of Fame. He yeah. was another person that's it's right up there with AJ responsible for building, you know, TNA Impact Wrestling. And also just, just the name value. Yeah, it, it, that's going to draw more eyes. A lot of people, and that's nothing against Christopher Daniels. Okay, who is this guy? Oh yeah, him and AJ were friends. You bring a Kurt Angle, now you've got two now global megastars. It's a damn shame Christopher Daniels never got to be the higher power. Rick, I know you were excited to talk about this story, so let's talk about Nia Jax. Nia Jax wins the See Her Award and Rick and she won another award, the 2018 Style Heroes Award. Nia Jax received the Association of National Advertisers See Her Now Award. Oh, if you've never heard of it, that's because this is the first year and we just made it up. Uh, the award recognizes the obstacles and challenges that Jax has overcome while also honoring her dedication to assisting others. And uh, then as well, she wins this 2018 Today Style Heroes Award. Naya was recognized due to an Instagram post she made back on April 6, 2017. You may remember this. She was so brave because she took a picture in her bathing suit and posted it on Instagram. That gets her the honor of being mentioned in the same breath as ladies such as Helen Mirren, Gabrielle Union, Drew Barrymore, Simone Biles, and others. And you know, and Rick, when we were talking about this off air, I told you the absolute best part of this entire thing is they gave it to her gimmick name. Yeah, that's that was kind of just the, the the cherry right on top of this giant pile of steaming bullshit that this is. I, and I love that she was noticed through her Instagram work. This is the same Instagram account where she is constantly on there trying to uh, over. I, I don't know how you describe this. You know, just the the, the the pity party that is her life because you know life as a WWE superstar is so hard. She has. She has to get up and actually go work out. She has to get on a treadmill. Can you can you believe that, Michael Jargo? That's, she has to get on a ridiculous. treadmill. It, it, she's on the road four days a week, traveling to the most beautiful places in the world. Absurd. They, they probably, and I understand, and I'm not knocking that anyway, but they, their schedule and what they do, their bodies is, is so amazing. But it's nowhere compared to what what past years had to deal with. They're not they're not working half of that schedule anymore. Where she came from, she didn't she didn't cut her teeth on the independence. She didn't have to pay her way through a through a pro wrestling school. She didn't have to make towns by you know scraping together gas money with with other talents, uh, hoping that they could get you know just twenty bucks something to eat and a. And a money for a tank of gas to go home she stepped right into the wwe and even before that you know the, the the be beautiful in your own skin all the challenges you have to come you have to overcome bitch you are a freaking model you played college basketball you, you grew up in from wrestling royalty life is not that hard the sense of entitlement just drives me insane 
and Nia Jax is that inside of a pro wrestling context to a T. And it, it, it just it annoys me to absolutely no end. Well, then, you know, like I love you know the quotes and the praise from from Triple H and Stephanie, and they, they gave their their typical you know PR responses. She's she she's so brave in the ring and such a great persona, but but the character in her real life is really what shines through for her. Really, is that the reason that you guys actually think that? It, and we know what you guys are doing with her. You used her for a little bit of a stunt there. You're not impressed with her. She's not getting better. She's not doing anything for you. Uh, this is just. It's just all around. It's just bad. The thing that cracks me up is once again, her character and her real life is what really sets her apart. Nia Jax is the character at no point during any of these press releases. Did I actually see her real name listed anywhere? The character of Nia Jax has been given awards and is mentioned in the same breath as Helen Mirren. Well, and that's what it, it, at first, that's what even got me before I could really get into this thing. I'm sitting there and it was one of the other one. There was, they, they, they pretty much acknowledged her as an actress. Yeah. Uh, to me, that is like completely taking everything that you're supposed to be in professional wrestling there and just completely wiping your ass with it. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, I, I know you're you're out there acting. Yes, you're playing a character, but no, you, that is a part of professional wrestling. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm imagining someone like Jim Cornette's just head fucking exploding over, you know, that they would, oh, she, they're getting an award for for acting. Uh, that, it completely is wiping your ass with the traditions of professional wrestling, and for them to embrace something like this. You know, if we joked about in the hell they were using her gimmick name, that's like you know. And this year's uh, best role by a male in a major movie is the fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, who cares whoever the hell, Toby, or whoever played the damn part. Let's just give it to Spider-Man. He's playing his gimmick. Peter Parker is the best supporting actor. The fact that you went back to Toby Maguire, Spider-Man, makes you, like, we connect even more now, man. You know, like, that that's some really deep stuff going back I, I to Toby Maguire. I, 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 I don't know any other outside of I know Toby McGuire and Peter Parker. Fuck I know Andrew his, Garfield. Fuck that's it. his work name. That's his work name. So I I, I don't know anything about. It. So like, I didn't even know what the fucking Avengers were before. Just be thankful that I could get through that fucking Dragon Ball segment. <laughs> Speaking of uh, something for you to get through, Huckleberry. This one has me greatly intrigued. Starcade is coming to beautiful Cincinnati. Oh. I.O. Huckleberry, you going to go down to Starcade? I'm already going. Got tickets ready to go. I know they go on sale tomorrow. But hey, when you're the art of the beat of the V, you got motherfuckers in the know. I've already got a box reserved, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be there, man. Very uh, cool. This special event, we, they forgot the, the card announced. Still, still not sure if this thing's going to be a network special or anything like that. But I'm guessing it's going to be just like last year where it was just for those uh, in attendance. I know they're getting a little bit of a, a little bit of flag for moving this thing to Cincinnati, not kind of keeping it in that that traditional. It should be in the territory. It should be I, in the Carolinas. I, I would agree with that, but you know, Cincinnati that doesn't really get the respect it deserves. Is you know, going back to the territory days, it was a it was a hot town run, and you had so many different promotions running through this. I mean, the Sheik the Sheik controlled it for a long time, but you had a lot. Well, you know, when he kind of moved out of there, you had a lot from the South coming up, things like that. It, it, I think it kind of flies under the radar because they, it was hard to get television in Cincinnati. And that was because of the Sheik. 
uh, he had a deal with our channel, um, which is our, I'm trying to think like it would be like our MB, it's our local NBC affiliate. Okay. Yep. So they had a deal with him back there. So WLWT is the call letters. Uh, but yeah, he went up there and just a bloodbath one time in a studio show and it made it there and it like freaked everyone out. Uh, you know, the producers, the network heads down there, they were like, there's no way we're not putting this stuff back on the air. Even when uh, Jarrett came up and he was like, we don't do anything like that. And they said, that's what he said. We're not falling for it. You're not getting any airtime here. So it was hard to get television time in this market, but no, they, they had great shows that they ran here at the old Cincinnati garden. I know I mentioned here before, Jim Cornette talks regularly about how hot of a town Cincinnati was. So I'm glad to see it get something special like this. And I think it's Cincinnati's kind of fallen to maybe like that B town for WWE. Uh, you know, we tend to get more, you know, more smackdowns. We haven't actually had a pay-per-view in a while. We don't get the raw. So to get something like this is going to be kind of nice around Thanksgiving. I look forward to it. You know, we got a big Cincinnati street fight with the shield taking on uh, the dogs or whatever the hell they're calling themselves. With, the with dogs Don of and, war. And, and the show, hey, but hey, that's going to be that's going to be fun for for Dean to kind of take over and shine in that match. And we got two big cage matches. You got Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. And, and then, of course, the match I'm going to be looking forward to is uh, is my precious Shar Shar and Becky Lynch inside the cage for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think what they should do is I think a bunch of the proceeds from this show should go to the American Red Cross uh, Relief Fund that they're uh, promoting for the Carolinas. I suspect that that very well could be why this show is not happening in the Carolinas this year. And Cincinnati is a, a good alternative. I mean, with the, with the way the Carolinas just got hammered, I'm not even sure what the hell the shape of the Greensboro Coliseum is. Well, there you go. I, that's another thing to look at there. I didn't really consider that, but you know, it, it, where they usually hold this thing is so close to Charlotte, which a lot of people recognize as the queen city. Yeah. Uh, but also Cincinnati nicknamed the Queen City as well because we're positioned right down the river with so much trade going through. Interesting. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you this week about as far as news goes. And Rick, I, I actually wrote out this list because this just fascinated me. Uh, Monday Night Raw this week. Okay. Now we know there was a lot of video packages and we know they were promoting a lot of stuff. But I actually got a list here. Okay, this was a three-hour infomercial. We had Helena Cell in review. We're promoting Total Bellas. We're promoting our charity work for Connor's Cure. We're promoting the American Red Cross Hurricane Relief. We're ha- celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. We're doing the Mixed Match Challenge tomorrow night. We're doing uh, the Saudi Arabia show on November 2nd. We're doing Australia on October 6th. And we've got Evolution coming up on October 28th. And don't forget to watch the May Young Classic. And be sure to catch Becky Lynch in The Miz and Shawn Michaels in The Marine Six. And, and oh, yeah, WWE 2K9. That's getting ready to come out. Be sure to buy that. Don't forget to watch SmackDown tomorrow night and NXT on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah, and 205 Live is now moving to Wednesday night. They promoted all of that on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I I regularly, when I'm talking to clients about this, and especially when they're laying out a new menu, there's too much shit going on. You got too much on here. You, You need to get some specialty items. You need to focus on them, make them really good, make them tasty, make people want to come here exclusively for these great items you've got. But when you've got page after page, you got everything kind of clustered together, it is a turnoff. You're going to turn potential customers and consumers away. And right now, 
I mean, it, it kind of just hit the boiling point this past Monday, but it's been it's been building up to this. They, they're spread so thin, and this past Monday was a perfect example of them just throwing too much at the wall. Yeah. I, if you tell me that this is everything that I have to do in order to be a WWE fan, I'm good, man. Nope. I don't need all that shit. Holy crap. Absolutely ridiculous the amount of and, crap and, and, they're promoting. And so, and so much of it, I don't want to say that, you know, like for the charities and some of the sideshows that they're not important. But when you when you present so much at once, it devalues everything you have going for you. And right now it is it's overkill. It's too much. And you're turning people off to some very important things. You know, Bischoff. Uh I'm, I'm a big Bischoff fan, especially when he starts talking about TV executive producer stuff. And he made the comment that when it came to Monday Nitro, all right, when they would look at the demographics over the course of the show, people would remember two and a half things. So that's the way they formatted Nitro was for two and a half things to actually be important. And they would hammer it. Over and over and over and over. And that's why you saw the NWO in so many segments. Because we're establishing the NWO is dominant. So you're going to see it over and over and over. So that tomorrow you're talking about how dominant the NWO was. Because you're only going to remember two and a half things. What do they got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen different items that they promoted on Monday Night Raw. As well, you got a couple of decent matches. But 15 things that you're promoting at once? It's no wonder nobody is tuning into this thing. It's no wonder that you're tuning out. It's no wonder that the wins and losses don't matter because it's a three-hour freaking infomercial. Well, and, and you have so many. You know, it's not like back in the day. You know, even you know when Bischoff was running the hottest professional wrestling show around the globe with Nitro. You know, for those two hours, that's what we pretty much got for wrestling that week. You know, then they expanded. You know, we 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 did have the other shows like Saturday Night, and then they would bring in Thunder like that. But it's so different from today's environment where even outside the programming every day, I'd be really interested. That'd be a great little like to get a sample group and do a study to see how much pro wrestling content are we taking in in a day? I, I know, you know, for individuals like us, you know, for individuals over in the Hami Media Discussion Group, I mean, that's going to be a serious swerve, you know, uh on that curve for, you know, to figure out the pinpoint there, but, you know, just from someone that, that maybe isn't involved that casually looks at the sheets or something like that, or someone that just happens to, you know, I catch the shows and I go online and something pops up, I'll look at it. But I, I guarantee even for the most casual fans, it's going to be a significant increase from back then. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, it, so there's you don't need to just try to use this three hours on Raw to pretty much let's ruin your show, and that it could be another. That's a, another huge reason why people are just tuning out. How long do you sit and watch an info commercial at night? Yeah, exactly. A couple minutes, a couple minutes at best, if the product somehow catches your eye. Well, and here's the thing, right? Okay, like l- let's talk just one segment. From, from Monday Night Raw. One segment. That's all I want to talk about. And that segment was Ronda Rousey. 
Okay. Rousey comes out to do her open challenge thing, right? She lays out the open challenge. Natalia's music hits. The riot squad brings Natalia out, right? Okay. I'm, I'm with you so far. So then the riot squad comes down to the ring and they start beating on Rousey. Out come the Bellas to come and save the day. Okay. A bit of a reach, but I'm with you so far. Then we go to Michael Cole and Michael Cole basically says, well, what a freaking happenstance that this just happened. We just so happen to have graphics right here that we're going to throw up on the screen for you to announce that this crazy six woman tag is going to happen in Australia. Fuck you. Well, they already had the match announced. I, but the, yes, the match was announced, but it hadn't been announced on television. Well, they expect that we're going other places, so we know that. But it's but my, just ridiculous that they're just like, oh, what? Well, what a coincidence that all this shit just happened just so we can show you this graphic and say, hey, guess what? This match is going to happen in Australia. Well, the only thing I would get with it is, is isn't the Riot Squad smart enough to figure out that the Bellers are probably going to come in here because they're also in this match. It's just, I, I, I don't understand how the show is so bad and they're making so much money for it. It's just one of those things that makes my head want to explode. So Rick, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do because we still have a whole nother half of show. And we're about what? Oh, I don't know. An hour and a half into the show. So guess what, Huckleberry? We got out of it. We're not going to talk at all about WWE Super Showdown. We're not going to talk at all about the end of Rusev Day. We're not going to talk at all about Crown Jewel. We, we got out of it, man. We, we, we had well, plenty you know of what? other stuff to talk about. I mean, can we go like a, maybe another 10, 20? Because there were some things in there uh, that, that I thought were were worth of note that I think you and I had to take some different takes on here. Okay. Well then uh, here's, maybe, here's, maybe not different, maybe not different, but just a few items. Okay. Well, here's what we'll do. Okay. We'll throw it over to the musical break. When we come back from the break, we'll have a little bit of a conversation that I had with Derek Sharp of curtain jerker designs. We met him up at Starcast at the same time we met Craven kind of running in that same circle. We'll, we'll throw that in here and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit of WWE since you feel so inclined before we wrap things up. Wait, I promise you it's just a few things. I'll even give a little teaser here to keep people on because I know we got that great interview. Uh, and I think, you know, you kind of went in with high expectations to that interview and it, it completely exceeded those. It went in a completely different uh, direction and you found this, this great wealth of knowledge uh, and someone that, it, that everyone out there is going to be want to introduce to. Yes, we're going to have a lot more with Mr. Derek Sharp coming up well, in, the, in the immediate future. But for now, let's, let's throw it over to a musical break. And then we'll come back and 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 we'll 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 talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Give them the All tease. Right. I got I got like just a few things on here. I, I do want to talk about what's happening at Super Show. As we were talking before we went on here, we've got some more uh, details on Kane's participation there and that how that possibly uh, you know affects you know his position of mayor of Knox County. Uh, I want to talk about the potential. What what are they building towards at this Super Super Show? 
Uh, just a few things on SmackDown. I, I kind of popped for. I, I, I want to kind of get your take on this situation with Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley. And <sighs> and I want to just go back and revisit one more time because it seems that we're moving in one of those directions, the Miz and Daniel Bryan situation. All right. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. Give me one more night. Give me one more time. Give me one more stage to play on, people to sing for. Give me one more song. Give me one more note. Give me all your music, cause it's all I really know. Give me one more night. I was in fourth grade Then I spit it till I was on a source page And all the people really got us more paid And I'm thankful Your rep's strange, so All hail to McKinsey The gifts you're giving like Santa Claus Fell through the chimney The music touring and over all sales Grew the frenzy Envious suckers when y'all yell You offend me One more Like to rip it up and all the people they Done for Cause when I'm on the mic I become more Living my life up in the lights Ever since I was a little one Using my inner mic I didn't just happen to rap In fact it's my passion to rap When I get to mashing your clap And it's fact and exact When you got second Mac in the track Give me one more night
What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back inside the Locker Room Studios for this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. This week's interview is a man behind the business that is the business known as professional wrestling. We met him up in Chicago at StarCast, and now you'll be familiar with him and his work as well. Please join me in welcoming into the Locker Room, Derek from Curtain Jerker Designs. Find them on Twitter at Kurt Jerk Designs. Derek, welcome to the show. I am. Oh, well, that was a great intro. I love that. I might have to get you to record my voicemail and just be like, "Hey, this is uh, <laughs> this is great." I, I first of all, thank you. Yeah, we did meet up at Starcast weekend. Uh, that was a crazy weekend. First of all, I uh, I think that was the epitome of of my year. It's going to be like I said, it was like the indie. Oh no! People call it. Uh, it, and it's it's good. It's a good thing. Like it's an alternative to WrestleMania, but it's. Very. I don't know how how many people you guys had by the interview, but it was a great way to meet people that I've only met online. Uh, so that was a great weekend. Uh, yeah, definitely it was a good time. A uh, little bit about what we do. Curtain Jerker Designs. I don't like that Twitter handle. I'm sorry, that bugs me. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird and kind of long. But um, but yeah, we uh, we are the guys behind the guys. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like uh, we. Uh, Star, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan. I mean, let's put it, let's, let's go into the origin story, I guess you could say. Uh, I'm a fan like no, you know, just like everyone else, just uh, for all my life as a kid. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know how far you've gone back to figuring out when you started watching wrestling, but um, I went to my first show at three. Oh, so, wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been a fan for a while. Uh, that was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and age myself. That was 78. Uh, and at the time we lived in San Antonio, Texas. So I was, uh, spoon fed a lot of the Von Derricks, <laughs> uh, really, uh, WCCW, uh, was, was where we were going. And then there was a local promotion that had, uh, weekly shows. So always been a fan, uh, for anyone who's a little bit older, you would, uh, I mean, it, I would love to be the age I was, uh, and growing up as a teenager nowadays, because back in, and you know, back in the old days to get into wrestling, uh, was really protected. Uh, it was super protected. Uh, you know, growing up in high school, obviously, and, and having wrestling as an influence in me, uh, you know, that dream of, I want to be a wrestler was not as easy as it is today. So, uh, so that, you know, that aspect of like, I, I'm going to graduate from high school and I'm going to, you know, like be a wrestler, like that kind of thing wasn't around. Um, you know, so it's always like, uh, so it was always like just being a fan, just watching WrestleManias and being like, this is way awesome. Uh, <laughs> so well, one of the first questions that we ask everybody is how did you get into the world known as professional wrestling? Okay. So going back. Okay, so you were three when you went to your first show. You went came up in that world class championship wrestling kind of territory. Were you a Von Erichs guy, or were were you on the opposition? Um, yeah, no, definitely Von Erichs. Uh, those guys are are bigger than uh, bigger than life superheroes. I mean, Kerry uh, Von Erich was a, a, a specimen on himself. Uh, so going to those early shows. Uh, I was definitely a Carrie fan, uh, Carrie and then the uniqueness of Kevin not wearing shoes, uh, <laughs> was kind of, kind of interesting to me. Uh, and some of the names that ran through this, some of the people that we got to see was, you know, in the later years, um, a young Mick Foley, I was Cactus Jack at the time, uh, 
guys like Iceman King Parsons and Tiger Conway Jr. and uh, Steamboat came through a couple of times, and um, and then later in my you know uh, you know grade school years and then middle school years, uh, seeing guys like an early Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty and uh, you know guys like that really just set the set the bar for for that you know like I said that that wants to be a wrestler that wants to like do something but at the time it was like so protective like you you didn't you had to know someone to know someone to know someone to be able to just crack the surface of hey like i have an interest in this like because i tried later on and especially uh towards the end of high school 93 94 with you know, in, in the middle of the attitude era, in the middle of like all every, you know, wrestling was 110% cool. Like everybody was, was checking out wrestling so that, you know, that plus, you know, growing up in wrestling, like the time that I wanted to try to do something, you know, I was, you know, I got met with a lot of shut doors. Like, yeah, I, no, no, you know, you don't know anyone to know anyone. So, uh, that wasn't really a dream. It's not like I could just, uh, you know, Google a wrestling school these days and, <laughs> and you know, send my money and give it a shot. So definitely a late start into wrestling, or at least uh, I, I honestly thought by the end of high school and you know picking the college and going that route that wrestling was never going to be an option. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, that 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 dream was you know that boyhood dream was was killed, and like you know, wrestling's not going to be a thing. But I you know always could watch it. So that's you know that's. Where, where I lied at the end of, you know, high school and going into college and that kind of thing. Um, well, as we were talking off air, you told me you actually then went to wrestling school. Where did you go to school? Who did you train under? Yeah, that's the funny thing. So, you know, we fast forward many, many years uh, until I'm about uh, 27, 28. I uh, was working at the time for a a website still still wrestling interest but you know the internet's starting to become a thing and i did some work for a website and then uh stuff like that and i did some interviews down um when the texas wrestling alliance ran some shows in san antonio they had uh sa rios and lita in a couple of times and i i kind of went to those and kind of did some interviewing uh on behalf of this website that doesn't you know that covers wrestling but it's not around anymore and um and in the midst of the early ages of the internet and whatnot, uh, like I said, still kept wrestling as an interest. And then, uh, I actually met somebody online and, uh, things progressed. And I actually wind up moving from San Antonio, Texas to over here in Indiana outside of Chicago. And, uh, the funny thing is, so I started getting used to the Chicago area, started going to ring of honor shows. And I actually, find a local company that just started up in town. Now you, you want to talk about a full circle situation. The guy that opened the school and opened and started was starting the company actually just came back from San Antonio and he had trained at the Shawn Michaels wrestling Academy with Rudy boy Gonzalez. Very cool. So, it took me moving from San Antonio right to Chicago to meet somebody from San Antonio. <laughs> then moved back up to open his school. I mean, open his school and start his company here. Such a crazy world, man. Very. So cool. I, uh, yeah. So what so, year, what, like give us a, a time period here. Like a, around what year is this? So we are talking 2006, 
2005-2006 timeline. Um, and then what happened, uh, yeah, two, so two, that was around 2005 that I, I meet these guys. Uh, 2006, my, in November, my brother, Thanksgiving, my brother passes away. And that was like the trigger. And, you know, you, I had some self-reflection and I was like, you know what? I want to join wrestling school. And the guy, and the guy was like, we actually have a class starting soon. He was like, you want to do this? And as you know, they only knew me as a fan. So he was like, if you want to do this, like we can do it. Like, and like I talked to, we talked off record. Yeah. No problem. Taking my money. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, don't get me wrong. He's like, well, we'll beat him up and he'll be out of here in a week. And you know, I'm going into this. I'm 32. I'm about five, eight, one forty, one thirty. So I'm not built in any way. You're basically going the diamond Dallas page route, but without the physical size of diamond Dallas page. Exactly. So I'm in there and you know, I give him the money. We start training on a weekend. He sees that I'm not going to quit. Like they're beating the crap out of me. Like I'm getting it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like it sucked, but they could tell that I was driven. Cause like when my brother passed away and all the self-reflection, I was like, you know what, what am I doing? That Am I doing anything that's making me happy? So is this like a, a no regrets? You don't want to look back and wonder what may have been kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of. And then, like I said, also like, I always looked at it as if, you know, it was easy to get in as it is now, or I should say easier to get in as it is now with schools available back then when I got out of high school, could I've actually made a run at it. Right. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. So the weekend they're like, he's the guy's like, you're not going to quit. Are you? And I'm like, no. And, uh, he's like, well, we're going to need a referee for this company. We're starting. And I was like, okay. Like, and I thought it was like, Hey, you know, stop training. And he's like, no, he's like, you're still training. It's still a thing, but you know, we're going to add referee training. You're going to be our head ref. I was like, awesome. So I took the, uh, the rest of the training. We got to the part where it was leaf frogs and I was like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, I'm never going to need to leave frog. Uh, drop kick was horrible. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. But so we got through that and then it got to our first show and, uh, you know, like I told you off record, we went to the local printer and we got this little eight by 10 black and white, you know, piece of paper with two little black and white photos on it and some info. And the guy was like $70. And I looked at him and I was like, 70 bucks. Like that's, and I, you know, he paid it. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I, I told him after I was like, that's what you're paying for those. And he's like, yeah. And, you know, we talked about it very, in my very DIY sense, kind of, you know, indie grunge, you know, band kind of thing. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. And he was like, and I was like, you know what? And I was like, I got you next time. And he's like, Oh, do you know how to do this? And I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I do. Uh, so, you know, fake it till you make it. But, um, so, you know, I started handling that. And then because this is Oh six, by the time we're done training, uh, you know, websites were, you know, they were, we're still running things off of MySpace. Right. So to set us apart, having a website was like, whoa, you guys have a website? Like, so I, you know, I learned enough HTML to, to put together a website. Uh, we used to have a blog talk uh, radio show that talked about the, the company and things going on. So we did the radio show. Um, I learned basic video editing. Uh, so much so that we used to run training shows on a Saturday and Sunday. And by the end of, by Sunday morning, I had turned around the DVD cover case and video production from Saturday to sell on Sunday to make money. 
So, I mean, I was, I was getting, you know, pretty quick at things and, you know, pretty good at all this stuff. And like, by the time, you know, we had a good little run, we had, you know, a six year run by 2012, you know, like I said, that last show was just kind of like, it was trouble from the start. Uh, you know, you don't sell tickets to kids at a bar show, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, expect at 10 o'clock for them to all leave and get kicked out and then have people mad. Uh, it also, uh, two matches in the ring broke. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's gotta be a living nightmare. Uh, and that's gotta be a separate story. It, it, it all ties in with the bigger s- scheme of things. Actually, there was a ring rental that we we're supposed to take that ring to, uh, after that show. So, uh, but yeah, so that last show went down pretty, pretty quickly. And on that, it was on Saturday. And by Monday I told them, I was like, yeah, like, um, I'm done with this. You know, you guys are not in the place where you used to be. This isn't fun anymore. And, uh, shortly after that, they just went ahead and shut down the whole thing. But, um, you know, and the blessing of this whole thing was the skills that I learned. Like I learned all these things that I could, you know, find another company to help out with. And at first, you know, like there were other companies that I'd worked for over the years and, you know, roads that I've traveled and other guys are like, you know, you can, you can be our ref and come this way. And I was like, you know what? I never expected to ref in the first place. Like I was way beyond, like way beyond of like what I was going to do. Like I would have been happy to like maybe have a match, uh, you know, been on the ring crew for the rest of the time that, you know, I did anything, but like I ended up with over 900 ref uh, matches ref. Wow. So like I clearly did. Yeah. And we winded up, I winded up refing in eight different States. So like we put in some miles, man, and I got to do some things and I got to be in the ring with, you know, Greg Hammer Valentine and Jim, the Apple Nightheart and Marty Janetti and like all these guys that like, as a kid, I was just like, I, I literally in the ring. I'm like, it, it, this might sound unprofessional, but like I literally took a second in the ring. I was like, what am I doing here? Like, especially being growing up being a big Sean and, and uh, Brett fan. Like, this is as close as I was going to get to Sean and Brett with, like, Marty and, and, and Nightheart. Like, so I'm pitching myself. I'm going, what am I doing? This equation of me, Nightheart, and this guy he's wrestling, like, what am I doing here? So, like, at the end of the run, I was like, I did plenty. Like, you know, 900 matches wrapped. I, I had a singles and a tag match. Uh, that was just, just fun bullshit. Uh, but like I did enough, like I felt I did enough. 900 matches. Give us some kind of a time duration here. 900 matches over the course of how long? 2006 to 2011. So roughly a five year span. Five years. Yeah. I think my busiest year was my second year and I winded up with like 390 something. And this was all before like anyone was keeping track of things. Like I kept personal track, but uh, now I see people that post things about like uh, referees, you know, X amount of matches in a, in a year and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like I didn't like, like we were so pre, you know, internet blowing up that like, you know, MySpace and stuff was still like a means of communication to book guys and stuff like that. So I miss uh, MySpace. I, I, yeah. I, I, of of all the platforms, why did that one die? I, I'd much rather go back to MySpace than Facebook or Twitter at this point. It just drives me insane. Yeah. I mean, such such the argument if you're not in someone's top eight. <laughs> <laughs> Remember they changed it up to like 64 at one point. It's just absolutely yeah, I was absurd. Like that's when this was, yeah. 
that was just to make everyone happy. Cause I mean, there were many a times, many a car rides where it was like, I'm not in your top eight anymore. Asshole. <laughs> oh my God. God, that's a throwback right there. Yeah, definitely ranking by where you are on my space. Yes. <laughs> let's let let let's jump forward a little bit. Let's talk a bit more about Curtain Jerker because a lot of what we're doing here at Hitting the Marks is based around marketing and you have worked with some great promotions doing designs for companies such as Aussie All Pro in Melbourne, Australia, Freelance Underground, War Wrestling, there's a ton more. When it comes to your designs, how are you approaching this? Well, I mean, it's definitely, like I said before, it, it definitely all comes to connections, uh, the opportunities that, that have afforded me, um, because, you know, 900 matches I wrapped, you know, it's a total of meeting a lot of people, uh, you know, being on shows with a lot of people. So, uh, a lot of it is word of mouth. A lot of it is by work, but, you know, um, you know, the, the Australian stuff, we have a mutual friend. So, you know, how, <laughs> you know, how those relationships develop, um, you know, Hey, we got, I got a guy and, you know, like I always say in marketing, like uh, I could, you know, like you, you, you took a look at our website and I'm actually redoing it right now. I've got a guy working on it, but um, you know, I could have the best website. You could have the, the greatest, you know, Twitter profile. Like you could have just the awesomest, most, you know, SEO'd out uh, things. But when it comes to the work, there's no denying, you know, good work, quick work, uh, you know, customer service. So it's, you know, your word is, is only as good as it is. Like if I tell you, Hey man, like, let's do this and I'm here and I'm on time and I got my shit together. Like that, I think that sells itself. You know, I'd say the design work isn't cool. Uh, and also because I've done, you know, the other end of things because you know, I said I've, I've wrapped and I've helped put on shows and I've did everything on the other end. I'm not just, you know, uh, uh, I understand the wrestling world and our designs reflect that. Uh, how I've been able to work with these great companies, like I said, a lot of it is, you know, word of mouth, um, you know, and then it's, you know, people, you know, hey, you know, if, you know, someone's looking for a podcast and they were, you know, they're like, hey, you know, put me on this new podcast. And they're like, hey, you know, check out this podcast. Like these guys know what they're talking about and this is entertaining. Like it's very much that kind of, you know, that's how we get around with things, uh, as far as like, I don't really market myself like, and I should, uh, you know, and it's the marketing guy who doesn't market himself. Well, no, because I'm not, I don't, like I said, like we talked earlier, like if you go to my Twitter page, you can go through my replies as, as fun as that may seem. Um, and I hardly ever push myself as a product. Like, I think that right now, especially uh, one of my main platforms is Twitter. It's so much noise of everybody pushing their content and their, like, ebook or their, you know, their program or this, like, you know, especially if you follow marketing people, <laughs> like, everybody is trying to go for the close on the first attempt. But there's no interaction. Like if, yeah, like, if you went and followed me. And, you know, you didn't know nothing about me. And you're like, hey, this guy, like, it shows up, you know, those people you should follow. Like, you see it and you're like, okay, cool. Like, this guy does wrestling designs. And I reply back to you in my first message is, hey, I've got this ebook for 20 bucks. You should check it out. You're going to be like, yeah, screw this guy. I'm not going to follow him. If this is all the only content I'm going to get is he's going to try to sell me something. Yep. 
like, but if you send me a friend request, I'm pretty sure I think I did this. I did this with everybody. I'm like, Hey man, thanks for the follow. Like keep in touch. Like let's have a conversation. Like if I could like, you know, down the road, we have enough conversation and you're like, Hey, he also does like, Hey, I need a new Facebook banner. Like let me hit him up and see what, what he charges. Like that's my grand scheme of marketing. I'm a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I'm not pushing, like I'm there, I'm there to help. And I will, bend over backwards to help people. Well, like, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording about all in and Starcast, And that's really how all in and Starcast really came to be. Because when you look at the young bucks business model, yeah, they've got a ton of products. Yeah. They're trying to push all of them at once. But the thing that has really built this empire of theirs is their approachability and their engagement with fans. You don't have to go through miles of endless red tape to get the opportunity to talk to Matt or Nick. Bingo. That's exactly what I was saying. And, and it's, hey, you know, like, you know, they're great wrestlers and, and the wrestling has a great aspect of what they do. Like, there's no doubt they're not good in the ring. And that's how I feel about my about the products and services we provide. Like, I'm not saying that it's not any good, but... At the same time, you know, if they, if, you know, if Matt and Nick went on Twitter and were like, book me, book me, book me, people would get turned off. Not that they would, but I'm just saying, like, if they, if they started just tweeting out, hey, like, I, we've got this date open and, and, you know, we want to work at this place, like, you know, people would be like, well, they're just showing themselves. And that's, you know, that's the thing. You don't force people, you know, hey. And that's why I said, like, in the beginning, like, so 2012 comes around. And, you know, the company closes and I part ways with them. And I'm like, it's been a fun time. And there were other companies. There's a company in South Bend that I still work for, RCW. And the promoter and the owner, a friend of mine, he was like, hey, man, come be our ref. And I did a couple of shows for them. And I was like, you know what? Like, for the amount I'm getting paid and, you know, it's and it's not always about money, people. But for my time and my energy, I'm making more money sitting at home and, and cranking out flyers. Because at that point, I'd started... You know, putting my services out there for free. I was like, hey, like, and and like I said, the first two years, I made zero. Like, and made zero on purpose. And I know it's not the ideal situation for everybody, but for my, you know, for the way I wanted to build things, and for my so my, you know, economical situation, like I didn't need the money at first, and I don't need the money now. It's just you, you know, you you build up to that point where it's like, hey. Uh, you know, he's not asking for any money, but you know, what are you going to get? Like if you went and you asked for something for, you know, if you're like, Hey, I need a banner on, on Twitter and you're going to get replies from people and they're going to be like, we're not going to charge you. You're not going to expect quality work for free. You know, it's always, you know, a freeze, a freeze at a, uh, at a level and, you know, it pays a little better. Like it's always you know, like, you don't, you know, if I, if I wanted uh, you to do an intro for me for the, for free, it wouldn't be as much effort as if I was paying you. Well, and this is one of those things that, that has always drove me absolutely insane, whether it was music, whether it's the world of podcasting, professional wrestling, putting together these graphics and stuff, man, it takes time. People are like, Hey, can you do this for me? How long do you suppose you spend on an average flyer before you send it off to the company and say, here you go. Here's the finished product. I mean, we, and that's the, another thing about having a basis of starting in wrestling and uh, looking at the, at the time, looking at the guys that are like, that were running that company 
and they expected a quick turnaround. Uh, you know, like that, you know, at the time I was like, you're an asshole. Like when they want something that quickly, but now it's like my turnaround time is pretty quick. Um, if it's, you know, like I said, if it's a new project and you know, if, if I just get hit, uh, hit up with like, I need a banner, like, uh, I can get it as quickly as you need it. And then that sounds like a weird answer, but it's true. Like I have right now, I've got so many pending projects and in different stages. So like deadlines, like if you told me, Hey, I need this banner by Friday and today's Wednesday, I would be able to put you on the back burner. Cause you know, my ASAP and your ASAP are two different things. Yep. Like if I, if you said, Hey man, I need this banner ASAP and I send you a message back when do you need it by? You might be like Saturday or Sunday, Monday is the latest. I've worked with so many people in my time that when I say, when they send me a message saying ASAP, they want it like yesterday. <laughs> so, so the time frame for everyone's different. Like I said, and I've noticed it on projects. It's more, uh, it's very much a time, you know, a scheduling thing. If I can hold my schedule to when everyone needs everything, like I said, it's, I had a mess message this morning. I need it now. And he meant it like he needed it within an hour. So like it's, I said, I can, like I say, I can crank out things as quick as you needed. Like I will go without sleep. <laughs> like <laughs> I know when I was designing CD covers and, and event flyers, I had a, a very different approach depending on the venue I was promoting or the kind of music I was promoting are you seeing, I, I'm noticing two kind of different rules of thumb at this point. Option number one for an event flyer is cram as much crap as you possibly can onto it. And option two is this very, very minimalist approach where there's absolutely nothing on it. In, in the 2018 context, which are you finding works better or is there not an answer to that? And it just really depends on the audience that you're trying to serve. Well, I mean, yes and no. I have a uh, Galley Lucha in Chicago in Villa Park. I, I love these guys. I, I If anyone's into Lucha wrestling, go check them out in Chicago. Um, they are very much like, I need everyone and their mom on this flyer. And see, this is where marketing takes over. Because if you want to do a flyer and you want everyone and their mom, then the guy is that are on the show will show everybody and their mom and be like, Hey, I'm on this flyer. Like you should come check out the show. Like, you know, that certain people are draws on the flyer. Like, you know, you need to put DJZ on the flyer. You need to put, you know, make sure that these guys are bigger. You need to put their champ on the flyer as big as you can without losing everyone else. So it's a very much a, you know, you look at it and you get a list of guys and you're like, there's 15 guys on this flyer. Okay, cool. And, you know, they're there for a reason. Like, you know, you, you, you have this guy that, you know, Hey, if I put him on the flyer, he's going to sell 10 tickets. Like there are draws. So you have to have them on the flyer. Like when you, you see the minimal ones where there's only like two or three people, like then you know that, that the, that match or what their angle is or what they're doing is more important because, Hey, they're big on the flyer. So this is going to be like some really, you know, if you go by and you see it on a timeline on Twitter, you're like, okay, there's only two guys on this line, maybe a third person. 
this is going to be something that's going to be like, this is a main feud or main thing. And both work. It's just the context of what you're trying to do. Like, like I said, if you know that by putting 12 people on the crowd, your fans are going to see this and be like, there's, you know, there's either really popular people that are going to sell tickets and that's why there's 13 people on there. Or there's, you know, surveying or conveying the message that, a lot of actions going on because look at all these guys we've got. We've got, you know, regular guys and we've got Lucha guys. We've got like midgets. We've got like all these people. <laughs> so like, you know, this covers everybody. So, you know, there's some girls. So if you like girls, like there's, you know, there's guys, there's like, you know, it covers everyone. So, you know, like a part of me, I get, you know, I get the email in and I'm like, Oh great. Like I got to put 20 people on this flyer. And part of me is like, I can only move them around so many places before, you know, it starts looking bad. Like, and a part of me is like, you know, and I, I've voiced my opinion before. I was like, Hey man, like, do we really need all these people? Like, and there's some that he's like, this list. Yes, we have to, like, if you can not put this two guys here, like you can cut out these guys if you need to. Cause then they all start looking the same. Cause you have a million people, uh, at the same time, like the WWE style for years was one person on a pay-per-view flyer. Like, it was just like, you know, centered around, you know, Seamus or, you know, one guy. And, you know, that's really great as well. Like, that's a different aspect, a different look at things. So it just really fits on, like, what you're trying to get across. Like, you know, and, and like you said, by, you know, by putting Rob Van Dam on the flyer, you know, 50 people might show up. So we have to put him on. And, like, you know, I mean, you can't really leave out guys that are, one, you know, the promoters paying money to come. So they got to make the money back. And then two, like if the guy's popular in the area, if you're a local kid and you know you're you haven't been around and done a show locally, he puts you on the flyer, and then you know your friends and your family are like, hey man, like he's doing a show in town, let's go check him out. So it's all tied in. Uh, you know, it both both looks work, uh, and you know both styles work, but uh, sometimes less is, less is more. If, like if you're having a street fight, you maybe want to just put you and the guy you're having a street fight with, because then you'd be people would see and be like, okay, this is like a big deal. You know what I mean? So just uh, fits the situation, I guess you'd want to kind of say. One of the other services that you offer is I was looking through your website that caught my attention. You guys offer trading cards and trading cards are making a huge comeback in the marketplace these days, both in traditional and in digital form. What's your experience here and what do you think is go goes in to making a great trading card? Uh, well, definitely first step is, is one of my pet peeves is photos. Like there's, we're 2018. There's no way in hell you need to be sending me something that looks that bad. Uh, take the time to invest in yourself. That drives me insane, man. When I see like a band photo and it's just like, you know, four guys standing side by side against a brick wall. I'm okay with that. As long as you're not sending me a, a, a screen cap uh, of a photo on Facebook and telling me to put this on an 11 by 17 poster. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. Now we're going to have an issue. And that, that's a great thing about like being around in, in this world on the other side of things. Like I have a, a, a good amount of photographers that I've worked for in different areas. So I, my first thing is, you know, I've, we do start working together on a monthly basis. I'll tell them, Hey, like, you know, get a hold of this guy. He's in your area. I'll, I'll make sure he gets a good, you get a good prize, get some good photos. Like that's key one. Cause I can put the fanciest of fancy filters on things, but if the photo is bad, the photo is just going to be bad. Uh, and 
so that the photo thing is one of my pet peeves, but, um, let's see, going back to services, pretty much everything, um, DVD covers, you know, Twitter, uh, Twitter banners, Twitter, uh, size match graphics, Instagram size match graphics. Um, the only thing I don't deal with anymore would be video production. Uh, cause that's more time consuming. Uh, I, I've, uh, we we do cover like said event banners, DVD covers, trading cards. Trading cards is a pretty cool thing. Uh, it, I uh, was approached with this a couple of years back, and I never thought of it. And, and it was a fun project. And we did two different sets. The uh, the card backing like a GI Joe figure. Oh, so that cool. was a kind of a yeah, that was kind of a cool one. We did one that looked like Garbage Pail Kids. Nice, Garbage Pail Kids were awesome. Yes, they were. So those went over really well. And like I said, it's just different ideas, uh, different things that uh, you know put stuff out there. Yeah, I, I have noticed that you know the trading cards have been uh, sprouting up more often. The funny thing is, like, I, I don't, I I, I don't. Uh, attend many shows uh it was very weird of, of me to say and i only kind of try to focus on the companies that i work for and try to find new ways and new things that i can do and, and suggest to them to help them do better um so very like a very team uh <laughs> team x company that i work for so uh the last show i went to freelance uh a couple of weeks before all in I winded up, it's a very weird world because I don't go to a lot of shows, but I know a lot of people because I work with their faces and their photos all the time. So it was a very much of, Hey, I know you kind <laughs> of. <laughs> so it's a very, it's a very awkward. Yeah. Like I kind of know you cause I've been, you know, tracing out your nipple for like three years now, but, uh, <laughs> Oh, this is the quality audio you get here. Yes, and we quite haven't met. It was just kind of funny because um, at StarCast, it was there all four four days, and it was very much of meeting people that I've only talked to online and whatnot, done work with wrestlers and stuff like that. And day one, it was like nobody could give a care of who I was because I was not, you know, people don't know me. Like, they know the logo. So day two, when I wore my logo shirt, like everybody's like, Oh my God, like, I know you, thank you for doing this for me. And like I did, uh, for, Ch- for Chelsea green, I did some stuff for her and I actually did the new year's Eve party invitation to the party she had with Zach, with Zach Ryder at Zach's house. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did, did you get to go to the party? No, I probably could have went, but she's like, look, we just want to be able to text out this little graphic of the party and invite people. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's so I really did that cool. for them. And yeah, and then doing stuff like So seeing her, she's like, oh my God, like, it's nice to see you. And like, say, I've, I've done some work for um, face-to-face wrestling in Georgia. And Teddy Long is uh, a part of that with Heath Slater and our uh, my friend Richard. And, you know, I saw Teddy Long and I was like, you know, I, he sent me a video plug and I was thanking him for that. And like, it was good to really like catch up with these people that I met and, you know, help them out. And, you know, I, I work for like, you know, going back to the services, like, you know, social media banners and stuff like that 
it, it, it's outside of wrestling as well. Like I work for a, a guy in New York, comic book guy, uh, Eros Hideouts. So I do like graphics for them and their events they have. So, you know, anything on social media graphic wise, uh, you know, we could probably handle, um, and give a twist to, and, you know, try, try to draw some eyes. That's like what I do when I go into these designs of the flyers. <clears throat> um, you know, some, some companies give me leeway to do what I want. Some have very specific, uh, <laughs> details, some that are so specific. I kind of, makes me buggy because they want certain guys by certain guys. Um, but it's like, Hey, it's like, you know, if you're, you know, you, we talked about you, you were uh, a traveling musician. Uh, if, if it's like, if you got up to venue and the guy was like, here, this is the place, the set, you know, the set list you're going to play tonight. You're going to be like, yeah, okay, fun. Uh, you know, if right. the guy goes, just, if the guy says, Hey man, just go jam out for three hours, keep us entertained. You're going to be like, okay, like I can do this. And, and be able to express yourself in the way you can express yourself and, you know, have more of a fun time to it. So that's how I kind of look at projects like, um, and then also I know what I can do and what I can't, I don't try to force anything. Uh, if you came up to me and was like, Hey man, like, can you make me a shirt? I'm like, yeah, I can, I can do that. But if you're like, okay, here's my idea. Like, I want you to draw me as a zombie. Yeah. Not going to happen. <laughs> uh, honestly, I cannot draw. Uh, so unless you want two stick figures, <laughs> uh, but let's see, because I've done this long enough, I know of people that I can uh, turn you on to be like, Hey, this guy is really good. It waits a little long, but you know, this, this guy will knock out the zombie if he can wait or like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, this person does, you know, vinyl cutting and like get, if you want decals or stuff like that. Like I know people by now that I can turn you on to and that'll do a good job. So it's a, you know, if it's a project on the website that I might not be able to carry or cover, like I know people that can, that are trusted, uh, that I've known for years that are going to do quality work. Uh, I've done even, I've done stuff like we've done a ring skirt. That was pretty awesome. Oh, I bet like, you to be, be able to do something. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty fun. Uh, and you know, just in general, like I get a kick out of like, after, you know, the work's done and I get a, you know, I followed all the companies I, I do work for on social media and seeing like uh freelance did a flyer. We did a flyer a while back, like a couple of years ago. It was uh, for an event called hobo with a shotgun dropkick. <laughs> uh, and they had, uh, yeah, the, the freelance flyers are, even if you guys would take a look at the last one I just did uh, with the zombies on it, that was a fun project. Uh, I didn't draw the zombies, obviously can't draw, but we, uh, we had someone else draw the zombies and I, it was a return of the living dead kind of theme. Uh, but, but the, uh, the hobo flyer, they took a picture, they hung it outside of Wrigley. And I thought that was pretty cool. Like to know that like some of the Australian work I've done, um, were, were blown up big enough to like hang in malls and stuff like that. Uh, that really just like seals the deal. Like, uh, how, you know, going back to like being a wrestling fan as a kid and, and think about stuff like that and be like, how cool is that? Like, you know, like I'm still kind of working in wrestling. Uh, it's at a different angle and it's on a, on a road that I never expected to be on. Uh, so like, you know, it's, it's still fun for me. Like I, I have Australian clients and obviously because of the time difference, um, you know, I get emails at like two in the morning, three in the morning to do stuff. And, you know, because it's still fun for me, it's, I don't ever wake up and go, Oh God, like I got this shit to do. Like I, 
have stuff to do and I have projects, I never consider it work. Like, cause it's not, man, it's fun. It's, you know, it's like if you, you know, if, if on your case, if you're like, Hey man, let's just come jam out. And you've like, you had a day full of stuff and you're like, you know what? I enjoy what I'm doing, man. It's like fun. Like you're, and if you still got paid for it, like, Added bonus. you know, it, I can't, comp- I, I can't complain about things, man. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, Starcast weekend taking four days away from the computer almost killed me uh, <laughs> because, like, I had I had to clearly send an email out to everyone like, look, I'm going to this thing unavailable. <laughs> like, if you need uh, unavailable, leave it Thursday, like at the latest possible time. <laughs> like, I left Thursday morning. Like, please, like, and I I sent one like two weeks ahead of time, and I was like, okay, guys, like, oh, it's a week before, like, let's get all the orders in. So, I only had one person was like. I got one email. He's like, oh shit, my bad. Like, here's StarCast. I'm like, yeah, can't do anything for you. All right, Derek, final question. You ready for this one? Because we said we were only going to go about 20 minutes, and that was about an hour ago. Um, Final question. I recently redid the Hitting the Marks graphics package. How awful do they look? Not bad. (laughs) I I, I just, I had to throw that out there because I just... I love getting people to bury me because it's fun for me. No, it's actually, it wasn't actually the worst thing in the world, but I actually have a little quote here. I'm pulling up kind of a thing that I try to go by here. Uh, so the way I look at it is I really, I'm not trying to convince anyone on our product to sell them anything. Like I just like to let people know that by hiring us, you're going to make things a lot easier. Like I respect your time and I respect what you're trying to do. Like social people try to put together a show. Like there is so much stuff. Like you got to deal with venues and insurance and talent and, you know, making matches and like, make sure everything's there. That like, I don't really sell my service. I'm like, I'm here to help. Like I'm here to make your life easier. Like it's a win for everyone. Yes. You know, uh, you know, there's a, there's a price to it. Uh, you know, but I, like I said, again, I understand what, what, you know, what the, the budgets are. So, and that's why I said, like, even you, I like, if, if you want me to take a look at the package <laughs> and, uh, you know, give it a look and put a spin on it, I could definitely do that. See, networking people, that's how this works. Networking. Yes. And that's, you know, and, and you can focus on your stuff. Like I, I try actually, you know, side story. I tried to do a podcast one time. I did like five episodes. Wasn't for me. I gave it a shot. I'll leave it to the pros. I'm actually thinking about doing a, a, another one again, a shorter format. And it's like, do I really want to try messing with that again? I, it was not fun last time. You know, uh, you know, I applaud you and the team. And, you know, Rick, who I wish Rick was here, but we'll, we'll talk to Rick later. Uh, but, you know, what you and your team do and, and to be able to maintain it for as long as you have, you know, it's, it's kudos to what you guys are doing. Obviously, you guys either really love audio and, <laughs> and, and all that fun editing or you're just at a point where it's like this is, you know, I've got a system in place and can do this pretty well. But, you know, you know, it's it's everyone's got their niche and their thing. And, you know, I like I said, when the project comes across that I necessarily don't have the skills for, 
like, I'm not going to try to force it. I'm not going to send someone out a bad product because I'm like, I, I, you know, I want, I'll do this myself. No, like you got to know your limits. People, everyone's not good at everything. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, I don't take a look at that. I'll, I'll take a look at the graphics. We'll let you up with something if you want me to, like, that's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> I love I, the sound of my own voice. That's, that's why I do. Yes. I mean, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be a reason for, for, for what you do. Everyone's got their own reasons for what they do. And, uh, I try to stay in my lane. Uh, you know, like I said, I've currently have 14 monthly clients. Um, you know, mostly all wrestling. I got the, the comic book guy. I do, uh, some, some banners for a podcast and, uh, you know, I try to keep it, you know, I, I actually got an email the other day and someone was surprised that I did business cards. <laughs> They're like, you do business cards? I'm like, well, yeah, I can do other things. Yeah, hell <laughs> not, right? I'm like, like you know, I, I stick to my lane. I know that, you know, if I went out there and tried to compete with the regular, you know, graphic designers and whatnot, which, uh, you know, I have one friend that, that does regular stuff like that. And it's great, man. He's like, tells me all the time how, you know, he gets 10 grand for a logo and, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's great. And then, you know, proceeds to message me three months later going, man, do you have any work? Cause like, that's it. I, you know, like that's supposed to last me six months or like, I haven't had another, you know, project in five months. I'm like, Oh, what happened to, Hey, I got this, you know, six grand or 10 grand or whatever it was. And, you know, I know that, you know, I have, you know, like I said, I have 13 monthly and then I have another 24 that are bi-monthly and I'm always busy. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, hey, it's, it's wrestling and it's fun and I get to do fun things like this, be on a podcast and, you know, give you shit about your subpar graphics that will get fixed. And Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all that good stuff and, you know, how the, uh, the ring that broke... I don't know if you've uh, follow wrestling and uh, evolve wrestling up in Minnesota. I had a show a couple of years back where the ring never showed up. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. Oh yes. And the fans, fans are outside, and the ring was super late. Uh huh. Well, guess where the original ring was. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing that you not only know, but there there is quite a story. That there. was that was that was the one that broke. That's the one that broke. Derek, we will absolutely yes. have to do this again sometime. Um, how do people get a hold of you on social media, on your website? Give them all the plugs and whatnot. Uh, okay, so the website right now is curtainjerkerdesigns.com, uh, official. And the uh, Twitter handle, which I hate, is Curger Designs. It's C U R J E R Designs because my name is really long. Uh, we're also on Facebook at Curger Designs, or you can actually uh, also on Facebook. Uh, you can go ahead and add me, uh, Derek Sharp, and uh, I will reply to messages all the time because I love social media and I love connecting to people and I love helping out. Uh, and like I said, man, it's it's a blast. It's, it's, I'm super blessed to, to be doing this and, uh, what the future holds, who knows? Like maybe we'll, we'll team up and, and do a podcast and, uh, I'll let you do all the legwork. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll do equal parts. Uh, <laughs> Hey man, if you need <laughs> a producer, I'm here. If you need a producer, I'm here. Yes, folks. I will definitely hit you up about that. It's been an honor, dude. Like I said, I 
could could talk about pro wrestling all day and talk about how you know people need to to do their marketing it's it's a weird thing it's like i always tell people it's like you know the old saying if a tree falls in the woods does it make noise uh you know i i kind of relate to that and say that you know if Kevin Nash is on your show and you don't advertise, you're going to be on a show with Kevin Nash and 10 people in the crowd. And I've been there before, man, and it sucks. Poor Kevin Nash is looking at the people like, is doors open yet? And I'm like, yep. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, oh. He goes, as long as I got my money. So, But did he tear a quad <laughs> while he said it? That's the real question. Uh, if he did, he hit it really well because uh, he got paid, so that's all he cared about. <laughs> that's what's important. That's what's important. Yes. Derek, thanks for joining us, man. We'll do this again real soon. Awesome. Sounds good. You have a good day, guys. I'm aware that right now, but a lot of us feel like chips are down. Sick of being kicked around. Thrown on the ground, picks right back up, then tossed in the lost and found. Stumbling, lost your ground, but it sounds like a chance for you to recover quickly. If you know anything about a struggle at all, the hustle is real, you probably already get me. So I need all of you with me. The Killer City Committee, the Midwest version of the Avengers. Going harder than Bobby to Whitney. The enemy's shifty, so we gotta react swiftly. Whenever negativity hit me, I try to get it in check quickly. Came to know playing the role of a psycho was not gonna fit me. Cause I'm not so 50, but I do know this. We all have the power in every moment. The time is ours. Counting minutes, seconds, hours. Death to cowards. Fight the power. Smite the liars. Light the fires. Brighter, higher till we burn them down. Take the tables, then we turn around. It's worth the search. If freedom's found, are you a hero? Who needs a hero? Someone who's always strong A source of light When things go wrong What we need is a hero Who's always there to take flight Who can mend our wounds And defend our rights What we need is a hero Someone prepared to lead the way Who can brave our world And save our day Hero Who always knows what to do Someone like me, someone like you What we need is a hero I watch it all unfold and then I take my chosen road This one goes out to everybody living state to state Place to place and coast to coast The rioting, committing acts of violence The leave is divided, you can take your own control The kids looking up to us for guidance Now they want to try it, how are they supposed to know? It's like we all want to fly, uh, nobody want to fall in a line But sometimes you got to swallow your pride And apologize for all of the time you were wrong To cauterize the wounds that we harbor inside uh, Ain't nobody perfect, we need to organize the community Stop living like Lord of the Fly I know it might seem hard It's important to try To keep a light on And centered at the core of your life Go to war with the mic Shoot them down with a peace sign The system of control Is an intelligent design I need a second look At many elements refined We're looking for a hero That can help us defeat crime And settle the beef If you only throw a rock A police line You're really not a rebel to me It isn't us versus them We all one Stand together in unity Better than lying dead in the street And what, what we, we need, need is a hero. hero Someone who's always strong A source of light When things go
Huckleberry, so we're back. You said you wanted to talk some WWE coming out of that great interview with Mr. Sharp. Now you want to you want to bring me down. I know, surprise, surprise. Especially because I always give you shit. Like, dude, you know this run can be like cut in half if you just get rid of all of this fucking WWE shit. Yeah, you're the one that news. doesn't want to talk WWE. Well, no, and- this isn't this isn't about the programming this week. This is about some of the stories coming out of it. You know, I thought that were uh, worth picking your brain on. I thought were of that were newsworthy. What do you got, Huckleberry? Well, what you, you know, want the to talk first, about? You know, one of the first ones here that you had mentioned, and this kind of ties into Super Show and, and the Crown Jewel to see where we're going here. But we did hear this week we get the the announcement. Probably the only thing I'll note to really take away from Undertaker's promo, which, I, man, it was it was really strange. Uh, you could tell he wasn't bringing his A game there. Well, uh, but- here's what I thought about Undertaker's promo. Let's start with that, okay? I thought Undertaker had about three minutes worth of content that went on for about ten minutes. I think that was it. If it could if it could have got out of there in that three minute mark, it would have been a, a great promo. Very moving, very effective. Uh, I guess I couldn't find uh, another promo to run for for evolution or Connor's cure. So he, he had to waste some time there, but but the big announcement we get there is that Kane is going to be in his corner. So it's going to be uh, the brothers of destruction on one side and DX on the other side. I guess first, the big question here, we were all kind of assuming that this was going to set up HBK and undertaker uh, once again for the crown jewel in Saudi Arabia, or at some point, are we looking more now towards Brothers of Destruction versus DX? Well, we know Sean, um, when, when the talk of Sean Michaels returning first had happened, Sean had put out there, you know, this is not going to be Mr. WrestleMania. This is not going to be the main event. This is not going to be the showstopper. What he was much more comfortable with was doing a tag match that it would be something with DX. It would probably be him and Hunter against somebody. Kane and Undertaker makes a lot of sense if we're going to do the return of Shawn Michaels. My issue, though, is it seems as though this tag match, I, I, I have no problem with Kane going with Undertaker to Australia. I have no problem with HBK being in Triple H's corner, but doing this tag match in Saudi Arabia, you're you're breathing into your microphone again. Doing this match in Saudi Arabia, what kind of political ramifications are going to be on Glenn Jacobs? That's really what intrigues me because of course, he is now the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. This is two huge dates that he is taking off to go be overseas and do the wrestling gimmick but the wrestling in Saudi Arabia the taking of dirty Saudi money I feel like this is just kind of serving one up for the left when it comes time for re-election season well I think what you do is you really you play into the narrative that WWE itself is playing into and you go over there and get some footage of Mayor Kane actually trying to do some goodwill work, you know, where they're telling that story is how can we help change if we're never involved? He can, he can look at things where he is over there because it's, it's not, it is a bad situation, but it's not what it was, you know, that women are making advancements there. 
if you can spin that in a positive light where he is involved with some of those things, where he's working with some of the female officials in their sports authority or from some other outlets, and you can capture that, you could put that good twist on this thing. But it looks overall, you know, a lot of people were kind of like, man, aren't, aren't those citizens, those voters down there, aren't they going to kind of be upset that he's just taking time off uh, to go back to WWE to, you know, to play wrestler? I guess even going in, he was asked this question a number of times, you know, when you win this thing, what were your, where were your commitments lie? And he came out and said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm the mayor. When I get this thing, I'm going to be the mayor first and foremost. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm not ever going to go back to WWE. That's a huge part of my life. It's it's something that's very it's important to me. And I'm not saying I'm going to be um, traveling the world on a weekly basis. But, yeah, I will go work spots for them. And I guess it's been agreed upon that he is he's going to work a number of dates and do a number of appearances for WWE through the fall and possibly in the early uh, 2019. I, I showed you the commitment that WWE is making, I guess, to kind of help well, you guess, smooth this over a little bit with the residents there in Knox County. And that, that is that they're going to be making uh, donations towards, you know, their, their police and their fire and their other public service departments. Yeah. And, and how much was that donation? Well, it, the figure in I, I, there's, I, there's gotta be more details of this thing because you're right. I mean, with everything WWE is getting right now, in a, in a grand scheme, this is like a cup of coffee. They're only going to pony up, what, $100,000? $100,000. Getting paid $4 million per episode for SmackDown. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw Knox County, Tennessee, well, 100 it, grand. It, 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 I, and there was some, as you go to a few different outlets that are reporting this story, it, there is a bit of confusion of this is per appearance. So that would definitely, you know, kind of bolster that, that charitable donation by WWE. But then again, that might be the max allowed for him to go out in exchange for his services to be able to accept. That's a valid uh, you point. Could, you could have that handcuffing where you get into some actual, you know, major legal ramifications. You know, if they're and you could get it. Oh, that's the only reason that he got elected. This is corruption from the bottom up. You've got a major, you got a, a major corporation now filtering all this money into this county. Yeah, because that's he a got very over. Good point. That's a very good point. Um, I think it also goes of note. Uh, well, in I, I love your pitch there. All right, about Mayor Kane going over and meeting with the Sports Authority and equal rights for women and all that. Um, and, and I think that's a great pitch. If he was a federal politician, but he is the mayor <laughs> of Knox County. I mean, that's. It's a little bit different position. I don't need Kane doing foreign policy for it. I, I need no. him taking care of Knox County, Tennessee. It's it's not that he's actually trying to open up or you know discuss the policy. He's opening doors. It, it starts on all levels of government. You know, it starts and works its way up. You know, if he's there representing his good people, and let's be honest, it, I'm it, it's not a very liberal area down there. No. They're, they're very conservative. I don't know if they really even give a shit. That. That absolutely plays into it as well. All right, so that's Mayor Kane. What else did you want to talk about here, Huckleberry? So, yeah, so we got our little take on you know the potential between the brothers versus uh, DX. We've got we've got Mayor Kane. I'm trying to remember what I said. What else I said on here? I'm going through. Excuse me, I got it on my phone. Oh, I know you wanted to talk about Leo Rush. 
Yeah, it's, it, I thought I thought that was a pretty humorous uh, little segment they had there, especially like when Elias asked, uh, "Whose kid is this?" <laughs> and I'm seeing mixed I'm seeing mixed uh, emotions about this this pairing here. I, I wanted to get kind of hear your take on this thing, how this really ties in, because you know we've got Drake Maverick with with the AOP, which uh, which Strangler Steve pointed out on the Wednesday locker room. It's no longer the authors of pain. They are simply AOP. They are simply just three letters. Uh, but, and then we see, we know why 205 is moving till Wednesdays for the time being, but there's just so, there's so much kind of happening around that brand. How does this all tie together? What are you thinking? You know, I'm ready to kill 205 live. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, let's just take all of the 205 live talent and let's throw them in NXT and just make NXT a two-hour-a-week show. Well, uh, could you potentially, you know, we were talking earlier in this show, you, it's, we know there's global expansion. You've got the, the UK NXT. You know, we're, they want to have some other ones out there. You could possibly have India, Australia, Japan, you know, wherever that may be. As you start expanding into those regions, why is there the need for 205? Because in those cases, a lot of your NXT qualify for 205. You, you could just simply replace that with your ter- with your global territory NXTs, and I don't think anyone w- would ever miss 205. Yep, I completely agree. And especially, like you said, when I'm watching NXT, I'm basically watching 205 Live. Most of those talents fit into that umbrella. And then you have your monsters like Lars Sullivan. Um, As far as Drake Maverick goes with the AOP, I I think that's just absolutely hilarious. Um, But it doesn't make any sense. Leo Rush with Bobby Lashley. I don't really understand what's going on inside of this entire story. So you have Elias and Kevin Owens are going to be taking on Lashley and John Cena down in Australia. John Cena obviously can't be bothered to show up or send any videos or anything promoting this thing. So I'm just kind of taking Leo Rush as a stand in here for John Cena as we build up to this match. So you don't see any long-term partnership between these two that I'm realizing that I hope, I hope that this turns Lashley heel. That's what I hope because I think Leo rush could be a really good heel mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley. But if the objective is to get Leo rush over as a, a undersized baby face against these monsters, and then you got Lashley, I just, I think it's going to be incredibly disconnected. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, but it seems like they might be going that direction for the time being. You know, him showing all the athleticism and the you know acrobatics this past week. But I- I'm with you. I think I think that one misses. I, I guess you know, just kind of one other one thing. I really wanted to hit on you here, man. I know this was a hot topic Wednesday in the locker room. Big Ray's hot on this topic right now. This thing is is starting to kind of take on a life of its own, and that is the direction that we're going with this number one contenders and a WWE championship itself, you know, what's, what's the money program? How are you going to get these for the, you know, tie these four, uh, obviously speaking about the Miz, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe and the champ, AJ Styles together. It, it, from this past week, it looks like they really are that Miz is going to grab that championship sometime soon. Yep. Yep. That's, that's where I'm at with it. I, I think AJ Styles is going to put down Samoa Joe in Australia. I don't think Samoa Joe is ever going to get to be the WWE champion, which is a damn shame. Uh, I, I thought that he was poised to do it at SummerSlam, 
Then I thought he was poised to do it again at Hell in a Cell. And we talked then that if not then, I don't think it's going to happen. And now I'm at the point where I don't think it's going to happen. And I, you know, a lot that's, which is kind of disconnecting there is where, where to for Joe? I mean, does he just fall into this role where you pull him back a little bit? And then when you need someone to just come play, you know, the badass that it doesn't play by the rules that can hurt anyone and then just, you know, kind of puts over the baby you need at the time. You know, hindsight being 2020. All right. I wonder if Vince is kicking himself at least a little bit. Joe could have taken that title from Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. We already have a history between Joe and Roman. If anybody was going to get Roman Reigns over as a babyface, it would have been Samoa Joe. That was the time. Well, I, I remember we had those conversations then. If there's anyone good enough to do this, we said there was actually two individuals. We said Samoa Joe and Drew McIntyre. Yep. Those should be the guys that you you put the task of going out there as they're good enough to work his heels that no matter how much people want to and how much they want to go against Roman Reigns, those two are so good, they'll make it work. Yep. One, uh, once, oh, go ahead, man. I, I, I'm looking forward to AJ Styles versus The Miz. I think that match is going to be much better than what people are anticipating. I think that match is going to be absolutely freaking fantastic because Miz is wrestling with a chip on his shoulder. I don't know if you've been noticing, but over the course of the last six months or so, Miz has gotten really freaking good inside of the ring and the way AJ Styles can bump and the motion that AJ Styles offense creates combined with Miz's psychology and storytelling. I think that match is going to be fantastic when it happens. Dare you say phenomenal? I dare say phenomenal. Uh, I, I love that. Perfect transition was one thing we didn't have on the run. I saw this story as I was prepping today. I know that you chimed in over on the Hami Media Discussion Group on Facebook about this thing. And we'll get out of here after this one, man. How about Ryback's comments that when it comes to the PWI 500, that it should always be a WWE superstar who sits at number one. And he was simply basing that around the schedule is what he was trying to argue. And I know I, I kind of knocked the schedule or downplayed a little bit earlier in this show. I think Ryback covered his ass perfectly saying, I don't have all the facts. This is my opinion, but it was kind of a split in the, in the little discussion that we had going on over there. If, if he was right, if he was wrong, you just, you just, you didn't really dive into the conversation. So I want to get your take on that now, Dirks. Well, I, I think it's an, absolutely ludicrous statement number one um but when i look at the wwe schedule yes it is incredibly challenging and yes it is very very grueling but okay let's say aj styles is going to wrestle samoa joe four times this week how many of those do you think are over a three-star match well, I was I, I was gonna go that way. I think I, I kind of went to what you said. You know, my comment over there was, if you're AJ Styles and if you're working a WWE style, you're you're working four nights a week. Three of those nights are the exact same match. Yep. Around probably ten to twelve minutes with Samoa Joe. Yep. Uh, then you got your TV, which you may or may not work a match. 
AJ is more of a, a working champ, so he, he probably does at least two, maybe three a month he, for SmackDown. Typically, yes, but this week was the first time that he has actually wrestled on SmackDown in like a month and a half. Okay, so we got that out there. And then you, and then you got a pay-per-view where you turn it up a little bit. Absolutely. You have that there. On the other side, you know, a lot of people aren't aren't really giving, you know, Kenny the credit there for his travel. Yeah, he works New Japan. He, you go out and do something as grueling as the G1, and then you get a little yeah. break with New Japan. But it's not like he's sitting back. He's flying around the world constantly going and working for, for smaller promotions. You know, he's working up in, in the Northeast this weekend coming from Japan. That's, that's not easy. And, you know, that's those, those are working little shows. I mean, that is a labor of love right there. And then when Kenny does go work, it's not the same 10 to 12 minute match. He's going out there and giving you 30, 30 plus and pouring his heart into it each and every time, because he knows, you know, just even going up to, to work at an armory or uh, a VFW or, you know, the Allstate arena or the dome in Japan, no matter where it's at, that is something special to those individuals. And he wants to deliver. Well, and I think that there's another big difference too. Okay. And that is what is asked of the champion. AJ Styles, he's not drawing money. Roman Reigns is not drawing money. The WWE is what's drawing money because it's those TV contracts is where they're making all their money. It's a completely different business model when you're talking New Japan and the independent scene. Kenny Omega is drawing money. And I think that's something that absolutely needs to be taken into consideration. I think you got that too. And, 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 and to be perfectly honest, you know, the 500 is created in KFAB. Yeah. So even if you want to do that, yeah, look at look at what you have with Omega. The, he is the headliner. You've got AJ Styles. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, he's a great champion. But he's a mid-card champion. He's a mid-card champion. Even when the Universal title isn't present, he still doesn't close shows. You still have Roman Reigns matches. You still have a mid-card championship, the Intercontinental Championship, getting the nod over the WWE Championship as your closer for some of these things. And also for like KFAB, the guy's his biggest feud of the year was grown men punching each other in the dick. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, this is something that I, I thought was kind of interesting that I think directly pertains into the conversation. Uh, I was talking with Jersey Mike last night, and actually, since we're not doing a whole lot of WWE this week, we'll make this the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. <laughs> Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex softer, prettier. I've got something on Jersey here. Just had a conversation with him just before we went on the air, and he told me he is fired up. He just got his tickets for Raw in Philadelphia. And I just sent back, what about Evolution? Uh huh. I've been riding his ass about that for a week. Then, then I discover, you know, he's oh well. I, I don't. How do I get there? It is four hours away from his house, dude. I we've had this four conversation. Hours, four hours away, but I want to. I want to point out right now, right now. I, you know, I I have been on fire attacking people from Canada to the UK to Kentucky to to eight track Brown. I we're gonna we're gonna close out here with this fifth. This fifth attack, Jersey Mike, that that event is coming up. And if your ass is not in that arena, this your days of the Jersey Mike segment are numbered, my friend. And I am finally going to have you off my show. You know what we should do now that we have the studio line? 
We should call up Jersey Mike one of these days and just bury him on the air. Maybe we'll actually, uh, we'll set that up. We'll set that up. Maybe we'll do that for Evolution. We'll set that up. Mm-hmm. I like that. But Jersey Mike made this comment to me last night because we were talking about uh, the Ricochet versus Pete Dunn match in NXT that went down last night. And he was like, good match, man. And I was like, yeah, when, when about 21 minutes before Undisputed Era came out and completely ruined the whole thing. But, you know, good for Undisputed Era because, you know, we, we thought they were going to turn babyface. And this clearly reestablishes them as heels, taking away this dream match finish. So in that respect, I actually kind of like the finish, but he's like, yeah, it was a good long match. And I was like, long match. It was like 21 minutes, dude. And he's like, yeah, that's a long match. Rick, what the hell do you consider to be a long match? Because at this point, if you don't go at least an hour, I don't consider it a long match. I mean, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, I'm not sure there's been a title defense that went under 45 minutes in the last two years. I think you have to take take into consideration what promotion it is, you know. Absolutely, uh, for, but I think that plays into the index as well. That's what that's where I was actually going with this thing. Kenny Omega's going out. He's having these epic matches that are 40 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes. Don't tell me that AJ Styles is doing better than Kenny Omega when he's going out and wrestling, you know, 15 to 18 minutes in the middle of the card. Well, I think, you know, that, even get, that goes back to speak to we got a 30 minute Iron Man match between Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler. I mean, what the hell is so special that we see? We see Rollins do that every week on the program. He goes out and wrestles for 25, 27 minutes and doesn't get pinned. But then there's nine pinfalls in a match. That's why that match was garbage. Yep. And all these people are praising a damn thing. Yep. I completely agree. It, to, to me, if I look at the Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins, 30 minute Iron Man match. And I look at the Jay Lethal versus Jonathan Gresham, 30 minute Iron Man match. I'll tell you which one's the better match, and it's not even freaking close. It was Jonathan Gresham versus Jay Lethal, in case you're not keeping up. Give me that shit. AJ Styles better than Kenny Omega. AJ Styles is maybe, maybe number three in the world right now for me. Maybe. I could make an argument for number three in the world right now, and his opponent would be Kazuchika Okada, which I would love to see that match again because that's that's when I really fell in love with Okada was watching him wrestle AJ Styles. My God. Fantastic stuff. Huckleberry, anything else you wanted to talk about this week? But let's send it home, man. Well, you know, I, I, I actually, I take it back. There's one more thing I did want to throw out there. Okay. This is a show that'll never end. It is. It's the show that it will never end. Uh, May Young Classic Week 3, that was a really good show. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. It was a really good show. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and a very special thank you to Derek Sharp from the Curtain Jerker Designs, people. We are going to have Derek on a lot more. I think uh, there there's at least three or four conversations that we need to have with Derek. Derek was very upset that you couldn't be on for the interview. He wants to talk to you. And then uh, me and Derek are actually talking about doing something else. Hey, Rick, guess what I found out? Guess what I found out? Derek, go Devils. He's a Duke Blue Devils fan. Oh, He's yeah. one of us. Yeah. Hey, speaking, of, speaking of basketball, I guess there's that strong rumor that uh, within a year or two, Durant's going to be heading over to your Lakers. Oh, God. 
Oh, you're, you're precious. You're precious. I'm not sure I want that, man. <laughs> oh, man. Now we are getting to the show that will never end because I could talk for at least an hour about how much I love Kevin Durant and how much I do not want him as a Los Angeles Laker. Please don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss any of the content from RBV and myself. I'm going to have to talk to Scorpio and Amber about that. God damn it. Also, please visit hackerhameen.pondbean.com and subscribe so that you never miss us in the locker room on Mondays over at Hacker Hameen. You can also find me Wednesdays at One Wrestling Video for another episode of this is NXT. You can also find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. I think I got in all my WWE style plugs there in one freaking paragraph. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBB. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? I'm going to make this one short and easy because, hey, everywhere you are, if you can find me, if it's here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, it's the Hami Media Group. It's that one wrestling video but of course, you can find me, just me, across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. But for now, man, I, I have got uh, an important meeting to get to. I'm meeting up with owner, promoter of the Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling Promotion, Montana Blevins, the BOTB Heavyweight Champ Johnny Knockout, and, and another good friend of mine who uh, has been doing some podcasting projects with me, Robin Nelson. We're going to meet up. We got to go paper the town. We've got a huge event coming up this Saturday. Down in beautiful Harrison, Ohio, at the VFW. It's going to be a great show. As I said, we've got the champ, Johnny Knockout. We have got Iron Man, Rob Conway, and a, a tremendous throwback name, uh, a true enforcer of professional wrestling, Mr. Hughes, along with some of the greatest independent talent you're going to find in the Midwest. Looking for that show. So, everyone, keep keep your eyes and ears open. I'm going to have reports going all day Saturday. Well, help throughout the weekend, get some exclusive interviews and bring in all that live action. Man, really looking forward to, to my work and being a part of the Battle on the Border pro wrestling family. Looking forward to hearing about it Monday in the locker room. But, of course, for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up.
with your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. Watch your face.